This week on Out Now with Aaron Abe, we are talking Geostorm. It's a storm of geo proportions. Better bring an umbrella. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is he's on his way. He is he's literally flying back from space right now. So we'll we'll see if he gets here in time. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics. Don't put to a mostly spoiler for your review. Then jump back to other fun movie topics. This is episode 303. 303. See, Abe's not even here to appreciate the numerical palindrome that I just presented, but we'll, he'll, he'll be here. I'm going to recap this. You guys remind me to recap the fact that it's 303. Um, thank you. Uh, the main feature for this week is Geostorm. Chances are you did not see Geostorm this weekend, but we're going to review it anyway. It's been a, it's been a, re, it's not a great week for new releases at the theater this week. I say well, that, I say that even knowing that the Only the Brave, the firefighter movie, got pretty decent reviews, and yet well, I didn't really feel that compelled to see it. I would have liked to. I'll probably see it eventually. I know Anna has some interest in seeing that as well, so we'll, we'll probably get around to it. But still, there was like what five new releases this week, and like. One of them screened wide, the other kind of screened, and the others are just like, yeah, these are out also. Uh, but G- the one we chose to review is Geostorm, uh, and that's what we got going. Joining me tonight to discuss Geostorm, we have, from Lenoir Artur, he's close He's closed the airlock long enough to be on this show, it's Terrence Johnson. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and from Why So Blue, he's still wearing his beach attire after outrunning an ice wave, it's Bron Anderson. Hello there. Guys, it's good to have you on the show. How are you both doing tonight? I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm doing as well, well as well. Well, good. Glad to have you here, Terrence. Good to have you back after Mother. Apparently, you, you're still survived after all that. Yes, I did. I, I've been telling everybody that I know that they have to go see it. And so I've, I've started to get more and more people going to theater, although it's only playing like one place now. So, But if, if you still drive those per theater averages up by doing this, so I yes. think it works out. And Broad, good to have you on the show for the first time officially. We had you on for our fun Comic-Con episode back in the summer, but this yep. is your first official episode. I am happy to be here. Yeah, well, good to have you. Always it's good to have uh, you know new guests on the show and whatnot. And yeah. uh, let's uh, let's get this thing uh, let's get this thing moving. I've got uh, we're getting both get this moving and kind of stall to see <laughs> to get Abe to be on the show before we get to the main review. So let's get to some uh, let's get to some show notes stuff real quick. First up, iTunes reviews ratings. It's good to get those. It helps out our show. We've gone for three hundred and three episodes, not counting the bonuses, which there are hundreds of. Um, and it you know it's great that we keep going, but it's also great to get new reviews and ratings. If you want to log into iTunes, search out now with Aaron and Abe, you can give us a star rating. That'd be cool. If you want to write us a little review, any, any series of words that ends in a period, that'd be great too. That, that just, that shoots us up on the charts. There's some, some podcasts we're really looking to beat. I've been talking a lot to David Bax this week on battleship retention at this. And I'm like, we're going to, we're going to outrace you on the, on the iTunes charts. I'm, I haven't said that to him. Although I have, I've seen him this week. Um, but what else? Uh, our horror specials. Every October, we've been doing these special horror-themed bonus episodes, and this year is no different. We've done four so far. Uh, we had our horror adaptation episode. We had our that second one, uh, the, the tribute to George A. Romero and Toby Hooper. Uh, we did our Child's Play commentary, and this most recent one that should be out now by the time you hear this recording is our children's horror-themed episode. So 
those are a lot of fun to do. It's fun to get Abe, Brandon, and whoever we get on that week, mainly Jimmy O. Uh, we had Maxwell on, These are, and we had Scott Mendelson on, actually, for the Child's Play commentary. These are a lot of fun to do. There are these fun bonuses that are all themed around horror, based off the, being the month of October. And if you, you can find all those on iTunes and Audio Boom. They're fun to listen to. We still have one more left to go as well, which should also be, a, that's another fun topic that I'll, uh, you know, talk about when we get to it. Uh, but yeah, what else? Let's see. I'm going to tease this right now. Last year, Abe, Anna, and I, we did a special Stranger Things-themed um, Nights, Nights episode. Uh, we did it where we, it was late at night. We had, all, we had all just finished like watching Stranger Things fairly recently, and it was a lot of fun to do because we were both very tired but very excited to talk about Stranger Things, so it was kind of <laughs> nonsensical, but also one of the most entertaining podcast episodes we did. Uh, that will probably happen in some form or another again uh, with Season 2 arriving very, very soon. Um, so yeah, look, out, look out for that as well. Because we drop the nights just when you're not expecting it. Because that's the way we <laughs> like to do it. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to know everybody. Each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to know everybody. And since I'm the only one here right now, I will ask my question. <laughs> Guys, what's a weather-based disaster movie that you still want to see? Oof. Hmm. <laughs> There's been a number of them. I'm aware, there and there have been multiple movies that incorporate lots of different weather in them. I'm also aware. Mm, yeah, but is there, is there? What's what's another one that you're like? You know what? I haven't seen digital people killed by this before. <laughs> okay. Um. Ooh, that's a good question. Man, this is. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to think because I feel like Geostorm got away with a weather-based natural disaster in the movie. That I was like, this isn't really <laughs> based on the weather, mm-hmm. but but I, oh, that's a good question. I have one that's not quite weather. Uh, was, okay, it's locusts. Okay. Oh, locusts! What if like you know, like a, just a storm of locusts overran like uh, you know, not just a farm, but like a whole town. It was just like mm-hmm. eat just grasshoppers everywhere. Just not like a plague. Okay, like, exactly like a plague. Yeah. Wasn't there? There was that. There was that one movie that had a bunch of plagues in it that had a There's, locust scene. Yeah, that's the. It's that Hillary Swank one. Yeah, uh, that one. The, the Reaping. The Reaping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I saw. I, I think I saw like the last twenty minutes of it on HBO. I never seen the whole thing. I've seen parts of it. But I saw like the last twenty minutes of that on HBO, and it's crazy. The places that movie. That movie. Yeah. That movie does not, does not end the way I would have expected it to. <laughs> like, it has some. Like I, I believe there's like demons and stuff. It's like yeah. it's wild. <laughs> I saw that movie when I went to Peru. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> when it came out, yeah. Uh, that's it. Let me. I mean, we've had movies for so many things. Uh, have we had a good sinkhole? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. There's Joe Dante's The Hole, but no, not a good sinkhole. But yeah, you're in. Yeah, I'm just like like, literally... pot, like potholes that just get out of control. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's a city planning yeah, problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's up to the mayor and his team of aides to stop this. <laughs> That sounds like an episode of The Mayor on ABC now. Awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like this single. <laughs> I like mainly because I'm just brainstorming on it right now. Yeah. Like, it's a very fixable problem, but for some reason it's overrun the town. <laughs> yeah. They just, like, let it go. They're like, I'll just drive around the sinkhole. It'll be fine. Yeah. One day it wasn't fine. A <laughs> <laughs> whole school bus is trapped in the sinkhole. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that. The drama there would yeah. be like you never know. How far does it when... go? Well, it's only like twenty feet down, but still, we shouldn't have this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. The granite company's closed. We can't fix the sinkhole in time. 
for me, I think something, you know, like like the core is super ridiculous where like the Earth's Earth core stops spinning and all the weather effects happen. Maybe if we had like the northern lights that go rogue. Oh. That would be Okay. Aurora Bori <laughs> Deadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On sci fi this fall. <laughs> Exactly, it would by, fit in right. By like, the way, perfectly. we we don't speak ill of the core on this podcast. It is a brilliant film. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I don't. No, yeah, yeah. it had it had performances and uh, it was on film. So <laughs> you're gonna fit right in with the show, Rod. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a film. There you go. <laughs> I think we've covered this, guys. I think we, we have what? Locusts, sinkholes, and um, what did we just say? The uh, Northern Lights. And the or... Northern Lights. <laughs> yeah. The Northern Lights. The, the deadly Northern Lights. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, with that, with that out of the way, that's how you play. No, everybody. <laughs> Let's move on now. Let's get down to quickies. TM. Each week and not now, Farron we have a movie we talk about. Quickies. That's just how we do things, Brian. I say things really quickly, and you barely understand it. I like it. Yeah, but I'm going to start with you. What movies have you seen this week? Oh, okay. I saw, well, I had like a little horror movie, triple feature kind of thing. Uh, I watched uh, Blood Diner, which was ridiculous, like in a great way. Just What, what is Blood Diner? Cause this it is, is 1987, horror. like schlocky, like horror movie, very low budget. Um, it kind of is about these ki- these guys that were kids and their uncle was part of some cult that wanted to bring back this goddess and they grew up and they um their uncle dies they grow up they dig up his brain and eyes and then it sits in a jar and talks to them through how to resurrect this goddess none of this but, is involving a diner so far but keep going yeah yeah exactly <laughs> okay. well they run they run a what is presumably a vegetarian restaurant but it's actually that they're serving people that they've been killing and it's it's and it, it just goes off the rails like it's it's completely like bonkers the whole time it's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> you say that as if like oh, so it starts on the rails and then yeah the opening scene is them playing with toys and like the uncle bursts in carrying a machete tells them that they need to like listen to the goddess thing and gives them some necklaces and then goes out and gets shot by the cops and then it's like 20 years later they're digging up his dead body okay. it's like the next scene it's it just it moves quickly and you don't get a lot of time to to understand it but it, but it's still well paced that's what i'm hearing oh, yeah it's quick and i mean i enjoyed it it was it was the, the point was like we were watching some pretty terrible looking movies and it was a lot of fun it, it was something you can laugh at with your friends and get get uh, baffled by because it just veers off in crazy directions here and there so what's next uh, I also watched a, a similarly uh, 1986 schlocky horror movie called Terror Vision, um, like television, but terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's uh, what I have heard of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Monster gets beamed into this television and starts terrorizing a family, and it also it, it goes off the rails <laughs> at one point. But you know, that's sort of how it goes, I guess. Uh, it's got some. It actually has some pretty impressive, like makeup effects and things for how like bad the rest of the movie is mm. um worth a watch actually I, I really enjoyed that one i think the most out of the three the third one was a movie called black roses uh 1988 um it is produced by the same produced and directed by the same people who did a movie called rock and roll nightmare it's oh. like canadian like metal horror but like like uh like not the like glam metal 
horror. Glam rock. It was, it was terrible. Um, with like very little redeeming features, uh, other than maybe the main character's mustache was definitely <laughs> worth rooting for throughout the whole movie. It's the, yeah. that, so that completed the, the horror trilogy we watched recently. That was a horror. I also watched um, within the last week. I watched Escape to Victory, the like 1981 uh, John Huston soccer prison camp movie. Oh, that's the one with uh, Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone. Yep, yep. <laughs> yes. and, Pele. and Pele is in it as well. It's, Pele. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was very, prison camp. Yeah, they're in a, a, a Nazi prison camp, like prisoners of war, and the Nazis get the idea to have like an exhibition game between these prisoners. And the not then like the German national soccer team to yeah, it's, like boost. It's like, it's like the longest yard except with World War Two. <laughs> exactly, it is Jeez. soccer, and it was it was really good. It's a it's like a legitimately great movie. Well, it's and a John I, Huston film with Michael Caine oh, and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, it's hard to go wrong there, yeah. and yeah, it it was great. I, I was trying to think of why this film was stuck out so quickly in my mind. It's because I just saw uh, Nighthawks. Uh, I got oh. the, I got the Shout Factory. Nighthawks Blu-ray, which had Sylvester Stallone, and he was, it, it was the film he made like right after Nighthawks. It was Victory, uh, and so he there was like interview. There was in, I was reading interviews with like I think Ebert uh, with Stallone about Nighthawks, and he was while he was on the set for Victory, like oh, making the movie. Wow. That's cool, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's it's the kind of <laughs> that's that's such a that's a movie that no one talks about. So it's yeah. like so when yeah. you say like Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone were in a movie, wasn't it Get Carter the remake? <laughs> right. No, it was right. the soccer movie Victory, <laughs> directed by John Huston. <laughs> totally, totally weird, but it works. The movie works really well. It's it's well made and great, and everyone should see it. Is that on? Were you streaming that, or was that on Blu-ray or something? Uh, streaming it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Terrence, how about you? What have you seen recently? Um, I saw the Babysitter. Oh, the Netflix, the, the Netflix. Mick G joint. Yes, which was so ridiculous, but also really great by the end of the movie. Um, I loved how they set up all of the various set pieces and murder weapons and things that we would be dealing with throughout the film without me realizing all of them. Um, I want to assume you went in blind on this, right? I went in. I, I had an idea. My roommate, I made my roommate watch it with me mm-hmm. um, because he has a habit of coming into the room when I'm watching things and asking me endless amounts of questions about the thing that I'm watching. So you're like, oh. let's stave off this right away. So I was <laughs> like, you might as well just sit and watch this because he had no I, no idea what it was about. I sort of knew. Um, and it was a good time. It was It's fun. I, I like when movies realize that they're stupid and play to the strength of being dumb fun. Um, and this one did. Uh, I saw. I also saw Wind River. Had you not seen Wind River yet? I hadn't seen Wind River oh, yet. okay. Um, I, I was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I can agree with you. I, I would say, like, I, le- I think the movie's good overall, but I... I feel like the praise it's been given by a lot of people has kind of soured me on Wind River, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just, it just makes some really big character missteps. And then when it finally decides it wants to reveal, you know, what happened, it's like, oh, (laughs) this, okay. I mean, this is a valid 
version of the story, but like, uh, I don't know if I like that. Um, did you did you like Hell or High Water? I loved Hell or High Water. Yeah, so as did I. I think most people did. Yes, because uh, I, I, I just I wonder. I see the praise for Wind River, and I'm like, what movie did everyone else watch? Because like, I know what I know. What is it? What's his name? Taylor Sheridan? Is that the Taylor Sheridan? Yeah. It's like I I know what he did correctly in Hell or High Water, or at least what he and the director was it David. Dave McKenzie. Dave McKenzie. I, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah from Startup. Uh, it's like, I know what I know what they did correctly. In this movie, it feels like it took a step backwards with the characters. We're like, J- Jeremy Renner feels wrong here, as, as far as being the lead. Yeah, it's I, like, think, it, I my, my, my suggestion, you know, my armchair reboot of Wind River suggestion was, <laughs> you put Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen's character, you put a Native American actor in his role, and then like see how the story would have turned out because like Elizabeth Olsen was the th- her character was the thing that bugged me the most because oh, yeah. easily <laughs> I, I mean in Sheridan in you know in Sicario did something really interesting in terms of like a woman being in a male dominated field and ha- having to navigate that space like him and Dylan Denny Villeneuve combined them to do something really interesting and here it's just like. She's just awful <laughs> from the moment she <laughs> well, yeah, is like, on screen the, the and for no reason. Yeah. The character Blunt's playing, it makes, I mean, she doesn't do things wrong. It makes sense what, what she's given, I think, in that there's, you can argue about how her role is kind of displaced eventually. I yeah. would say because the movie's title is Sicario, which means Hitman, I kind of get why it's about Benicio del Toro. <laughs> but um, in this movie, in Wind River, it's like Elizabeth Olsen, she's just... She's just terrible at her job all the time. And it's like, you just, you're fresh from the academy. I get that. But it's like, you're not, you wouldn't be doing like these basic level things like this, this poorly. And it's just like, she has no compassion when she's talking to people. She doesn't like, she doesn't check. Like, I know how to check your corners just based off watching movies. She should know how to check her corners when she like walks into a room. There's just little (laughs) things like that. I was like, you're, you're a terrible FBI agent. (laughs) Yeah. She, I think what it turned me off was what, like, it started from the first conversation that she had with the guys Yeah, where like she had a line in there about being okay with being out in the cold, despite being poorly dressed. And then like two sentences into the conversation, she was like, so are we going to have this conversation inside or not? And I was like, well, which one is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Are you trying to be super tough and brave the cold? Or do you want to tell them how rude they are for making out this conversation outside? And it just, it just started from the, but yeah, it was, it was bad. It was a there was a Teen Wolf reunion though, which was pretty funny <laughs> within the movie. Ian Bowen and uh, Matthew Del Negro were uh, both cast in Wind River, so that was funny. And then uh, you mentioned the I, thought, re- I, 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 I want to keep on this because we never did yeah. a Wind River review, and we never really got to talk about it in the show. But it, it, you know, it's gotten a lot of praise, and I'm very curious what it's going to do come award season. And I, it, I could see Jeremy Renner like. Everybody's saying best actor is weak if they Which would pushed me. him. <laughs> but it just there's just not a lot of there there. <laughs> there is and, and you mentioned like cast him in a you know Native American. It's like the movie's bending over backwards to be like, well, he used to be married to a Native American, so it's yes. okay because he you know he's part of the tribe technically. He's just you know he's not. Um, it's like you couldn't just find a native american it's not like this is a big blockbuster you got to sell it to people it's like people are gonna you know if they say writer of hell or high water you put you put a couple stars in there or you reverse the role or what have you 
And it, you know, if you if you say the words, I couldn't find a Native American actor to fit the role, it's like, this movie's chock full of Native American yes. actors. So like, <laughs> Great ones, too. Yeah, like, Gil Birmingham <laughs> could have easily played the Jeremy Renner character. That's a guy you already yeah. know from that other movie, if you want to go by based off what you people, you know, you can sell people on. It's well, just... like, in Martin Sensmeyer, who played, you know, the thug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, dragged him. Mm-hmm. He was just in Magnificent Seven. I think he would have done a, a great job with that part. Um, but, yeah, it's just... Jeremy Renner was doing some interesting work, I will say that. But it was just like he's good. Like he's he's a he's a good actor. Like I don't. It's like I yeah. Don't, what I it boils down to yeah. when they have the flashback to show you what actually happened to this girl and in the situation with her boyfriend, and the, I was just like, really? <laughs> like okay, sure. Like that's all right. That's what you wanted to do. That's fine. It just was unnecessary it, it takes like the most it takes the i mean and it's not a good situation but it takes like the most easy way out kind of as far as like okay yeah it just one night kind of went this way like that seems like it's like all right that's, yeah and not even and it's like it was unexpected but it was also really stupid because yeah. i was like why were they even there <laughs> why were they even in the room you know yeah uh, all right, what else have you seen? <laughs> Sorry, all right, everybody. Everybody's yeah. looking forward to this Geostorm review where we're talking about the politics of Wind River. <laughs> yes, um, and then I saw Thor Ragnarok. Well, if you want to talk about it, I guess you. I guess the embargo's up. <laughs> yes, the embargo is up, much to the understandable chagrin of some people. Um, I liked Thor Ragnarok, but I did feel like a lot of the humor was forced. All right. And that's I have all to, I'll say. I have to stay I'm sure you're I have to say yeah. completely mum on this for the sake of Abe, who's not here yet, as well as just our listeners, because they're looking forward to our third yeah. Ragnarok review. Um, but okay. I mean, definitely go see it. It, it but, is definitely you know. a Marvel movie that makes that is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yes. right there. Perfect. All right. Uh, is that it? Is that all you got? Yeah, that was it for this week. All right. I've seen a number of things this week. And I will start with one of the other major releases of this week. If you thought Geostorm had the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score of the week, you would be wrong because 13% was not low enough. Uh, two other movies managed to get lower. One was Boo 2, A Medea Halloween, which I feel like should be called Boo, A Medea Halloween 2, but we don't need to <laughs> focus on that part. Tyler Perry's seventh number one opening film. Yep. Mm-hmm. As, as Tom Hanks once said, if they can go to a place where I can laugh and pray, I'm thinking like I'm gonna. I feel like he's, you know, he said something along those lines in Saturday Night Live last year. Anyway, um, the other film of a whopping nine percent, so it beat out Boo Two, um, was The Snowman, uh, starring Michael Fassbender. Uh, this is not. This is not a good movie. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a terrible movie. Um, one of the worst movies I've seen this year. It is. It's the kind of thing where it's. It's not frustratingly good bad. It's not bad in a way where it's like, well, these are some choices and I'm going to stick along for the ride, much like a movie we might be talking about in a few minutes here. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it, it's not incomprehensible because I'm an adult and I know how to decipher what a movie is, but it's, it's so bafflingly poor in all of the choices it's made. And I, I know the director, um, Thomas Alfredson, who directed Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Let the Right One In, I know he's made, you know, a big ruckus this week about how it's like, well, we didn't get to film most of this, like 10 to 15 percent of the script. And there's a lot of rushing in the production and whatnot. It's like, OK, well, I could, yeah, sure. That means, OK, the story 
there's a lot of holes there and motivations don't seem clear, but I would at least feel like the style, like some sense of style would come through. Like you see a lot of these kind of serial killer thrillers that are made in the mold of Seven and others since, you know, since since the early 90s when things like that were in you know, mid-90s when those kind of movies came out and kind of set a template for things to come. And this just doesn't have anything, which is surprising given the director involved who's made some really interesting, like, looking movies. It's, uh, it's set in Norway, which is just a gateway to see some really cool landscapes or whatnot. Even that, it just never, nothing ever registers. Like, it, it doesn't have any, any real rhythm to it. The there's like no tension here the the like the it's a serial killer film and yet there's no real suspense buildup into either seeing kills happen or seeing the aftermath where people are discovering these things they just kind of matter of fact appears like yep there's a snowman it looks grimacy and there's a head somewhere it's just there's nothing here that makes it entertaining Fassbender does what he can because he's michael Fassbender. he's not it's it, he's incapable of giving a bad performance even if the movie's <laughs> terrible i.e. assassin's creed mm-hmm. um but it's it's this is it's just a mess of a movie and by the time it reaches like its climax you're like oh that they're that that's who like he's so i'm sorry i'm scattered as much as the movie is but the <laughs> the film the film is ba- like the it's based off a novel a series of novels starring the character harry hole um, that's his name detective harry hole harry hole yes harry I... Now in Nor in Norwegian, in Norwegian it's pronounced Hoel, which makes sense. But oh. in this movie, which strips away any sense of Norwegian whatsoever, like everything is English in this movie. Like even the characters, they have like a vaguely European accent. It's not really pronounced. Mm. And, but even like the writing, even like the writing on the walls or on signs is completely English. It's the weirdest choice. Like it's like they've <laughs> they've they completely neutered this film of anything that's not like not English in some way. Um, but so the character Detective Harry Hole. He's, he's a, oh. I haven't I haven't said this name out loud, by the way, oh, since, boy, until doing this podcast. So now it's even funnier than just yeah, reading it. It's, it's, it's so terrible. But detect, it's so terrible. Detective Harry Hole, um, he's supposed to be like a, a detective who has like eight novels. There's like eight novels of this character. He's supposed to have the kind of the mind of a, Snow, a Sherlock Holmes type character or whatnot. But in this film, he's just like this drunk guy who's a terrible cop. And he's partnered up with uh, um, Rebecca Ferguson from uh, Mission Impossible. Um, and he has no, like, real skill. He just kind of walks to a scene, kind of interrogates people. She's a better cop than he is, and she has some personal stake in, the, the like, this case involving this, seri- this snowman <laughs> killer. And there's, like, by the time it gets to a climax, they've removed her completely from the situation. Like, she doesn't even matter, despite what I thought would matter, given her personal involvement. And the Harry Hole, he just kind of pieces like one and two things together. He's like, oh wait, this and this. Oh, solved it. And like, <laughs> and you know, go to cut to an action scene and things happen. Like it's just it, there's, it's it's so bafflingly bad that it makes me wonder. It's like this movie needed to come out now. Like if they they couldn't make they couldn't film all the script. There were plenty of production problems along the way. Like it was supposed to be originally directed by Martin Scorsese and he walked off and then Alfredson came on. It's like that was Universal like. Well, we still got to release this. I mean, there are four other movies opening this week. So what else can we do? <laughs> we can't delay yeah, it. That wouldn't make sense. <laughs> I don't understand how they didn't shoot 15% of the script. Yeah, like... right? <laughs> that That's baffling to me. It's like, how, yeah. how does a production move that way? Where <laughs> it's like, well. Yeah, and then he was like, oh, well, we, you know, we had to find an edit. I was like, was there no money for reshoots? Like, <laughs> well, geez. It, it, I. I don't know what the like the cause is. It's like no one's 
you know, it's like, oh man, they're gonna make a Harry Hole film finally. We've got to, we got to make sure we get this out before the before the anticipation dies down. And yet here we are. <laughs> this is what happens. They couldn't wait to get this one out, and now you have this terrible movie. And any fans of the books, I, I'm sure, are gonna have to wait a lot longer until Amazon picks up the Harry Hole adventures for to get more of these. Um, <laughs> This never stops entertaining me saying Harry Hole. <laughs> it is a funny name when you purposely remove the accent from it, uh, which they did for this film. So it's not my fault. Um, but yeah, no, The Snowman, it's a terrible thing. Don't see it. Um, I saw better movies uh, in addition to this. I'll Let's see. Let's start with Wonderstruck. Uh, that's the new Todd Haynes film. Um, I did not know anything about this one going in, um, other than the fact that it was a Todd Haynes film. It had a couple stars in it. And midway through the movie, I was having this feeling, this feels a lot like Hugo, which is a movie I really like. And by the end of the credits, sure enough, it is from the writer of Hugo. It's based off a book by Brian Seltzer. Um, Not Brian Setzer, because he has an orchestra. Brian's, (laughs) it's Brian Seltzer. Let me see. Make sure. Selznick. Brian Selznick. There we go. That was close. Uh, yeah, he who wrote the invention of Hugo Cabaret, and he wrote this book and wrote the screenplay for it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I I like this film. It, it, it's this kind of dual narrative story involving two kids, um, ones in ni- the 1920s, ones in the 1970s. And already right there, you get a great looking film because Todd Tom Haynes makes likes to make very nice looking movies, and he certainly does so by having two movies set in two different time periods. Oh. Um, and the 20 the 20s segment, by the way, is in black and white. Um, it very much tries to kind of echo a silent film because both these two kill children, they, they're deaf. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, use of sound and score to kind of keep the, keep the movie moving. And it cuts back and forth between the two stories. They're both on these kind of journeys in New York trying to find certain answers. And I, re- I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I, I, I enjoyed the film. It's different for Todd Haynes, for sure. It's a, it's a, you know, a kid's film, essentially, mm. or at least a kind of a, a more family-friendly film than something like Carol. Um, but I enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it, it works out that way. Um, let's see. Two other movies I saw. One is The Square. Have you guys heard of The Square? The Square? I'm seeing that tomorrow. I'm uh, supposed to see that later this month. Yeah, that is the new film from, is it Renee Osted, I believe? Um, it's the director of Force Majeure, um, which was a popular... Is that Norwegian also? Or no, it's Swedish. I think it's Swedish. Uh, Scandinavian. We'll go with that mm-hmm. for now until, mm-hmm. I, until I look it up. Uh, but Force Majeure, that was a really solid kind of dark comedy from a few years back. This is his follow-up, which won the uh, Palme d'Or at Cannes, I believe. Um, and it's also, it has a kind of darkly humorous energy, energy to it, where it goes into modern art. I'm not going to go to, you guys are going to see it. I'm not going to go too far into it, but it goes into modern art and kind of dissects that that culture as well as the life of the curator that runs in a modern art museum in uh, mm. in uh god now i want to know is it norway or is it sweden <laughs> i really want to know <laughs> <laughs> all over this week <laughs> it's sweden yeah okay i thought so okay but uh it's quite good i really enjoyed it i i think it uh I, that that's the kind ruben ostland by the way is the director uh, ruben not renee uh, okay um but no, it had between that and Force Majeure, I very much like the kind of sensibilities this director has, that the writer director has, uh, as far as mixing drama and comedy. It's kind of a satirical comedy this time around, but it's uh, quite good. Uh, awesome. The, the last movie I saw is Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine. Um, have you guys heard of this one? I saw a trailer for it. 
This is the uh, the Vince Vaughn starring film from the from director mm-hmm. uh, Craig Zoller, who directed uh, Bone Tomahawk uh, a couple years ago. Um, this is follow up where it has Vince Vaughn as a former boxer who gets fired from his job, and so he goes into kind of crime, gets caught, and then goes to jail. And he needs to, he's forced to perform a task for various reasons. And the film is, from there, it's basically a kind of descent into the underworld of this prison, uh, where he has to kind of go deeper and deeper in order to get, a cer- accomplish a certain goal. Um, Vince Vaughn is great in this movie. <laughs> um, wow. He, they very much, Vince Vaughn's, like, he's a tall guy, right? Vince Vaughn's like 8'5". Like, he's, he's a tall, yeah, he's, he's, a tall, tall. He, he's a tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> And this is like the first movie I think that really actually uses the fact that he's you know giant in size to its advantage. Like I, I, I I've never seen a movie that uses Vince Vaughn's kind of physical presence as a as a main character trait. Um, you know he certainly like he presents himself as a kind of a tall a presence in various films. I, I've never seen him necessarily be intimidating. Uh, I've certainly seen he's you know I've seen him be somewhat you know apprehensive to say the least. But um, you know he's back in drama mode here, which he hasn't been in too much uh lately is you know it's more a lot more comedies every now and then he kind of does that again um, he was in the, the second season of true detective that that's was... yeah that's true there you go uh yeah that was, that was like one of those like let's try to do this let's see how that yeah, works the thing i tried to scrub from my mind since yeah. i watched it so totally yep. it's that's certainly a season of television that we all saw <laughs> um but yeah this one that this uses his size too is it, it's like to the film's advantage because he's supposed to be like this big hulking guy that can kind of take down anybody that gets in his way. And the film certainly presents that if you're, if you know, bone Tomahawk, you know that the director is not afraid to shy away from some really brutal violence. Um, but also knows his way around some pacing as far as very deliberate pacing. And this film very much follows suit despite not being a Western, just being, you know, kind of a a prison movie instead. Um, it takes its time to kind of get going and it, continually ramps up as it goes along as far as the way very gory action presents itself i i like the movie i wouldn't say i love the movie um and i kind of had similar issues to bone tomahawk where i feel like it's just a bit too long where i think it 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 really prides itself on taking its time to get to certain situations and despite the really good performances in both movies i think the results are excessively gory in a way where it's like okay <laughs> i don't know if i quite needed that much but mm. i like what you're trying to do here and uh but that said i still i'm still admire what craig zoller yeah s craig zoller okay i got that right all right um i, I like what he's tried to do here and i look forward to whatever he you know does next because i'm certainly intrigued by his filmmaking kind of work so far uh, but you do get a really good Vince Vaughn performance at it, along with some other. You get like like Don Johnson in this film, and he's actually mm. he cares. <laughs> like it's not it's not like one of those throwaway like let's just get Don Johnson in here for fun. It's like he's actually given a, a, a performance. He's playing kind of an intimidating prison warden type character. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's certainly built for like a cult audience in the same way that I think Bone Tomahawk is, where they it's a nasty little movie uh, as far as the kind of the violence and the use of the prison landscape and Vince Vaughn of all people. Um, whether or not I need to see Vince Vaughn in these kind of roles more, couldn't tell you, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, the trailer is uh, cool. It just hasn't beat him beating up a car. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which he did for real. Apparently like they staged the car to be a certain way, but he just did that. He just beat up a car. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. With his bare hands. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. That's on streaming now. If you want to see problem, problem with cell block 99, that's you can, you can rent that like anywhere on iTunes or Amazon or whatnot. Cool. 
I mean, the, what the babysitter that's on Netflix, right, Terrence? You can watch that. Yep. Mick, sorry, Mick G's the babysitter. Um, <laughs> so yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, that's out of cookies. DM. Let's move into trailer talk now. This is where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, and what have you. And uh, this week we have Tomb Raider. Uh, the I get the I get, it's weird to say remake the up the re the reboot the new mm. adventure of Tomb Raider mm-hmm. I guess we we ditched Angelina Jolie where it's that's you know been a while ago and she's not doing no Tomb Raider movie again and now we have Mrs. Fassbender herself Alicia Vikander <laughs> um, as Lara Croft and this is it's both a reboot it's a reboot of the Tomb Raider film franchise but it's also based off the reboot of the game series Tomb Raider yes. mm-hmm. it's it's taking on like the more recent Lara Croft Lara Croft adventures. Um, specifically, like the the one that just is that one just called Tomb Raider. Uh, yeah, the first that one's called Tomb Raider, and then there's Rise of the Tomb Rise Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider is the next one, which seems like an odd ordering of titles. Yep. But regardless, uh, we have Tomb Raider based off the game Tomb Raider, uh, <laughs> starring Alicia Vikander. Uh, and so yeah, Bron, what do you think of the trailer for Tomb Raider? Uh, it, I mean, it looks it, it looks like it'll be pretty good or okay, I guess. I, it has. What I was impressed by is like how much it looks like the game. Like the even like she uses that little like claw hammer weapon. It, it looks like it's right out of the game. She, she's wearing the outfit from the game. There's like an island that they crash on with a boat and people that look like it's just like you know, which isn't necessarily a good thing when you try to make a movie or a video game movie and try to do too much like the game because then you're just like, well. It's half fan service, half like, well, I'd rather just be playing the game. But it looks like it looks like it could be a lot of fun. It's got the similar to what the game did, which was like make it more brutal and kind of get her back to her dirty roots of like raiding tombs instead of it being kind of this like jiggle fest that Tomb Raider may have turned into by the end of its like original run. Um, so I don't know. It looks like it could be a lot of fun. She's she's getting down and dirty and blowing stuff up and hitting people with claw hammers. So that, that's interesting to me. How about you, Terrence? Uh, this movie looks completely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it, what tripped me out about the trailer is like I when I first saw it, I was like, is this movie just going to be nothing but her jumping in slow motion? <laughs> there are, there are about five or six moments where she's like jumping across a chasm or jumping off of a you know cliff into the waterfall or jumping into the swirling sea or jumping across you know it's just like <laughs> my goodness um it does look video game-esque um i'm a big fan of angelina jolie and i actually like her original tomb raider movies uh so for me personally this one would have to do a lot to match like how fun those were um, but you know, Walt Goggins is playing the villain, so there's hope. <laughs> yep. I um, I've stopped be. I've talked about this before too, when like Warcraft and Assassin's Creed. I've I've stopped having like any sort of anticipation for video game movies. <laughs> I've I've just I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like I, I I admire the idea of like, hey, they did this thing and it looks competent. Um, 
but I agree with a lot with what you're saying, Terrence, as far as like, yep, there's a lot of slow motion jumping in this, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I will say, yeah, I do agree with Braun, where it's like, yeah, it, it looks like a game, like it looks like the game, mm. uh, with the exception of the fact that there's a lot of puzzle solving at the beginning of the trailer, where it's like, well, she didn't really do a lot of that in the game, she just kind of, kind of just threw you on that island right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious how quickly it gets to the tomb rating and the jumping in action stuff, because... After Assassin's Creed, where they're like, "Well, you know all that stuff where you you sit inside of a complex and walk around and talk to you know like it, the Abstergo stuff, all the know, worst I, parts, all of the, the game. yeah, all that that takes up ten percent of the game versus the ninety percent <laughs> where you're in the past. Yeah, we're gonna make that the majority of that movie. <laughs> so after that, I just I gotta wonder, yeah. is this gonna be? Is this going to focus on the stuff that I guess people want to see in a Tomb Raider movie, or is it going to be like, well, we kind of made that, but then we added all this other stuff that you're not as fond of doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the trailer showed me what a lot, what you'd basically want in a Tomb Raider movie. So I, I wanna, I wanna think maybe this will be good. But I just, I can't get excited about it. It's, it's not a. It's, it's not a... It seems like a weird franchise to reboot. Like, who was like, oh yeah, we need to. Oh, I, I get it. I get the lot. Like, you know, it's they've made a couple of these Tomb Raider games. They're very well reviewed. Mm. It's a, it's a female action star. It's, it's one of the few kind of very notable female action IPs mm-hmm. that they can like draw up from, you know? I think they just wanted to put her in pants. <laughs> that was, cause wasn't that like the big, you know, that's always been the critique of that, that franchise is that like, you know, she's just running around in short shorts and a wife beater. Well, yeah. Even the then they, I mean, that they changed that up in the game before they like yeah. put the movie along. Although yeah. it is very, it's very similar as far as like Jolie came right off her Oscar and did that movie, right? She got interrupted, yes. then ran to Tomb Raider. Beginner's yeah. like right off her Oscar for what? Um, for uh, Danish Girl. Danish Girl. I was like, it wasn't Ex Machina because that's what you should have been on. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was for Agreed. Danish Girl, and it's like, let me get to Tomb Raider now. Like, <laughs> so um, yeah. Well, I'm in a, I'm certainly in a will see mode. Obviously, I'll see it because it's you know it's gonna be. A, big warner brothers movie we'll do it on this damn podcast but still i I, it'll it needs to do a lot more to be like yep i'm finally excited about the tomb raider movie although the walton goggins touch does help i'll I'll give it that walton goggins makes things nice even like nick frost pops up there like a second in that trailer oh yeah that's right he's like like, yeah or whatever yeah you see, we all just related because I said Nick Frost. So clearly the movie yeah. has something going on. That's a fun face to see yeah. in this movie. Why not? <laughs> uh, Tomb Raider arrives in theaters March 16th next year. So uh, get ready. Plenty of time for another trailer to totally ruin everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Um, well, with that in mind, we're going to get to our main film review for Geostorm. My access has been blocked. So satellite has a bad comm, that happens. Not a satellite, all of them. This wasn't a malfunction. It was intentional. There's potential for catastrophic weather events on a global scale. A geostorm. We have to shut the system down. As the kill coach is the president. I need your help. You're soliciting a secret service agent. Seriously? We're kidnapping the president in a self-driving cab. Jake, if you can't stop it, no one can. Three. Two. One. Come on, baby. 
That should have been some of the trailer for Geostorm. After writing and producing a couple Independence Day films and some other notable films for director Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin decided it was his turn to destroy thousands of digital extras through some phenomena. In the case of Geostorm, it's due to a system of satellites that was designed to control the weather, only to be taken over for nefarious purposes. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. The film begins with Gerard Butler, who stars as Dr. Jake Geostorm, obviously, the architect behind the satellite system. Jake is fired due to being a tough guy who doesn't listen to anybody, so Jake's brother, Max Geostorm, respectively, takes over. Their names aren't Geostorm, but it's just way more entertaining to me if their last name was Geostorm. <laughs> mm-hmm. years, go, years go by, and suddenly things start going wrong. Weather starts attacking people, and it'll be up to Jake to fix it. Oh, and President Andy Garcia may be under attack, but Secret Service agent Abby Cornish will be around to help. Let's start with Terrence. Terrence, as I recall, <laughs> I, I, knew you I was a little bit more excited about Geostorm. Boy, you, you smacked down my excitement for Geostorm saying it looked like trash. Never mind the fact that you raced out to theaters before I was able to go to see Geostorm. <laughs> you saw the movie right away on, on Friday. <laughs> what are the results of this 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 uh, this perplexing tale here? What did you what did I you did, think? Of I did I did go to the first screening at the movie theater. You're right. Um, I had a I had a movie pass. Um, well, I wasn't wrong about it looking like. Um, I think you know. It's it's bad, but it's like harmless bad. I I when I left out of the theater, I said I wish it would have been dumber <laughs> or gone even more bonkers. Which is impressive because the movie is very dumb. Let's say that right yeah, up front. This is a I very mean, dumb movie. Like <laughs> they they play everything so straight, you know. Like even as things are being crazy, it's played it's played pretty much like straightforward and i think i think it needed a little more reckless abandon a little more chewing of the scenery uh to make it more i would have had more fun with it so like it was bad um gerard butler i just (laughs) i just don't know um, we need to bullet point some of these facts because there, there's some deep points i want to get to about the things you're saying <laughs> i i feel like this is his second best performance ever <laughs> but like wait what's his what's his first best performance yeah, Hold on. i guess 300 i guess 300 <laughs> You what, know, it, what did this beat out? What were the wars in contention for best performance? I don't know. I haven't seen much much of him, and that's for a, a reason. Well, uh, the correct answer is Gods of Egypt. Keep going. But okay. I will say <laughs> that Abby Cornish was everything, <laughs> and I wanted to see more of her on everything to do with <laughs> And um, the girl from Atlanta. Yeah, uh, what's her name? Zazie Beetz. Zazie Beetz, yes. She's going to uh, be in the Deadpool sequel as well. Yeah, they made the movie for me. Every time they were on screen and doing stuff, I was like, this is really fun. Um, but yeah, I, it it was a bad movie. I, I wish they would have gone further, which I guess we can get to if we're going to do like for sure. some more spoilery chat about it. Yeah, let me say up front that I feel like we're, we're going to really analyze Geostorm as much as we need to. So if you haven't seen the movie yet and you're really concerned about spoilers, be prepared. We might get, we might get into some stuff. I mean, but it's... 
I think you get the movie, so it's hard. To, there's not much to really spoil. A lot of bad yeah. weather happens. There's not. There's mm-hmm. not that's not really yes. a thing. Not enough bad weather. Oh, True. We'll, we'll get to that too. Yeah. Let's let's, let's yeah. go to Bron though. Bron, what do you think of Geostorm? Uh, well, <clears throat> I'm gonna agree with Terrence pretty much all the way across the board. I I think the one word he didn't really get in there was that it was just for me it was boring, and it, it's like it's the wrong kind of bad where you're like. If it, if it had been more campy, like you mentioned, or if it had been, like, more inept, it would have been really fun to watch. But it just, like, and it wasn't even, like, super long. It was just, like, it's I know what's going to happen. It's surprisingly compact. Like, it, yes, like this yeah, could, yeah. Like, this feels like the movie that could easily have been 85 minutes or, like, 145 minutes. And exactly. somehow totally. it's only nearly two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I was, like, sitting in the theater just, like, uh, all right, I know pretty much everything that's happening and if they gave me more of those <clears throat> cool weather scenes then i could at least be like oh it's like a, L- a roland emmerich movie it's just over the top destruction but it, it wasn't enough of those there wasn't enough of the like i don't know there just wasn't enough to keep my interest I, it was bad i mean obviously it's bad like the trailers make it look terrible <laughs> it's, it's not a good movie but it's not bad enough and i really wish it had gotten to the point where i could just be like rolling in the theater like laughing at its total incompetence, and I just didn't get there. Yeah, it's weird how this week I was provided with two opportunities where I don't generally, like, hate watching a movie, but between The Snowman and Geostorm, I was like, well, surely I'll be entertained by the ineptness of some of these movies. (laughs) And Snowman did not come close to that whatsoever, but I would say Geostorm actually did come closer. Uh, I would agree with you that I do think it, and there's a key reason why, which we'll get to, um, it rhymes with Pim Purges, um, but there's a there's a there's a reason why it really didn't seem to capture the kind of the stupidity mm. energy that really would have yeah. I think helped this movie further because the movie is dumb and it is it's not good, but like Terrence said, it is like a harmless bad. Like I like yeah. there are certain disaster movies where it doesn't only feel bad, it feels insulting. Where it's like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like the movie's like disgracing the 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 fake people that were killed in these disasters. <laughs> like this movie somehow gets by on like freezing people and drowning people and tornadoing people and mm-hmm. hailing on people without me thinking, oh, that's really sad. I'm just more like, yeah, yeah, all right. I'm rolling up the punches on this one. Like I didn't feel bad about it for a change, but the, the movie still, yeah, it does suffer from not going far enough with its very loony premise. I mean, yeah. this is a movie that literally spells out weather for you as far as, hey, we have a system where we can control the weather, and that goes wrong. And so we're controlling weather the worst ways possible. So you feel like you should get a lot of really bad weather in this movie. Um, and that's not even enough for the movie. It's like, not only is the weather bad, but there's probably a secret conspiracy involving the president as well. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's such yeah. a, like, let's, let's, let's throw this on top of things. There's a, oh, a fr- friend of the show, Laramie Legal. I, I heard him talk about this once with um, a movie years ago. He was moving Iron Man 3. And he, he talked about trouble and how much, like, stacking trouble on top of trouble just doesn't make sense after a while. Where it's like, all right, you have, like, the fate of the world in your hands. And, like, all this stuff's happening. And, by the way, like, your attorney comes and says, by the way, you're being sued for tax fraud. It's like, why did – what? That's, like, tr- trouble. That's that's too uh, that's too much trouble. I already have mm-hmm. this. I don't need more of this. But somehow this this movie's like that. This movie's like the weather is literally destroying the world right now. Every it's It, it, it could, could result in a geostorm, which is a chain reaction of storms coming together to destroy the world. It's like that's not enough of a peril. That's not enough to, like – 
make a movie out of. We need to add something else. I know, an assassination plot involving the president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, but, On top of that, too, yeah. there was the, like, the ISS is going to explode in an hour or whatever. Yeah, also, it, like... it, it keeps upping the ante. It, it's, <laughs> it, somehow that's not enough. Like it, like you guys are saying, <laughs> no, it where it's, it's not like, it somehow doesn't take these very, <laughs> you know, these very insane things that are already happening and mm. make that into like the ultimate ver- the ul- like like 2012 felt like that to me it was like this has everything this is this is <laughs> this is emmerich's like his op- his magnum opus right here where it's like i've already blown up the world a couple different ways i froze it aliens blew it up there was a stargate that's different but still <laughs> godzilla smashed the fuck out of new york what else yeah. could i do how about the entire world blows up now because the mayans predicted it and that like that was his thing. that was the, the best he could do and this feels like all right how do we up the ante well <laughs> the weather destroys the world but the president's life is also at stake and space might be in danger like i don't know and it just it somehow doesn't take that to make it more fun and i think a key problem with that what i was alluding to is jim sturges I think I, I think Jim Sturges is the exact wrong person for this movie. Where yes. I feel like if they had like Channing Tatum, for example, like out of like same with like White House Down, where it's like he's like he he gets that kind of fun. That's the kind of presence this movie needed for that character because you have yeah. like a dual plot involving Aww. Gerard Butler in space and yes. some other guy on the ground who's just kind of walking around going, "What's going on? I need like," and it's just he's not fun. It's not fun to be with Jim Sturges the way it should be. Oh, I like Jim Sturgis. Really? Uh, you were like Jim Sturgis? His his issue was just that Abby Cornish was just so much better than him. <laughs> so much better than him. Yeah. Well, because she got it. Like she's because uh, yeah, Sturgis. Yeah. I think Sturgis trying to balance like being the serious guy, but also like saying some jokey lines here or there. Yeah, he definitely could not sell some of those. Like particularly because him and they played brothers him and gerard butler so it was like yes the the, the, early... the, very, the scotsman and the englishman play brothers yeah, they, you know both in terrible american accents as yeah. usual for gerard butler. Here nor par, there. par for the course for butler that's yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, like it's awful um but like he couldn't that early interaction where they hadn't been in each other's lives since the day he had to fire him was just so bad but not comical even, it just, I was like, mm, somebody in the, somebody somewhere has to be able to sell this scene <laughs> so that we feel, you know, for you guys as the movie goes on and one is way up in space and one is on the ground trying to figure out the conspiracy on the ground. And it just was not there. So before we dissect the plot mechanics and deep character interactions any further <laughs> let me announce that abe has finally gotten back from space and got on this podcast <laughs> all right i promised i'd be back just like gerard butler yeah that's that's definitely true <laughs> that is true abe how are you doing good sorry for the delay it's okay we'll get we'll get through all the niceties later for now what were your thoughts on geostorm <laughs> geostorm is a movie that i wish was funnier in a bad way more than it was. Oh, so you, it, you it, would completely agree with Terrence Spron and I then? So yeah. we're, we're all, is, that what, is that what the consensus is? That's, that's the consensus is? right now, like, yes. I, I was looking for the, the, the silver linings of like, wow, this is really over the top. And some scenes were over the top. Like, uh, what's his face? Um, the guy from um, uh, the Impossible movie, uh, that Jim Sturgis. Uh-huh. Jim Sturgis, he's acting his ass off in this, even though he's like, he's frustrated brother that seems to cry at every turn. And then yesterday... An airlock just, just opened by itself. We lost one of our crew. Dutch boy's not my problem anymore. That I am calling on. Because other than your daughter and your precious soccer club, 
Dutch boy was all you ever gave a damn about. Oh, yeah, once. Yeah, but you took care of that. You don't care. No? Well, then what are you doing living out here? See, Terrence um, was just arguing with me that he that he he likes the Jim Sturgis performance. I I'm less enamored with Jim Sturgis. Jim Sturgis is giving it. A, well, I'd like to say that a lot of the actors are giving it their all. Even that even Gerard Butler's daughter. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? What, yeah, what movie really, am I watching here? Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the whole, it's it's. I wish that it was more goofy fun where you can just lay back and relax and be like, this is a bad movie, but it's bad and really fun. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of interesting tones to it because. There's a there's a whodunit kind of mystery where there's like a French scientist and I was like what's up with this guy why does he have a gun in space uh, then there's Gerard Butler where it's like well he's like the the coolest guy alive apparently and then Abby Cornish is really cool and then President uh, President Andy uh, Garcia Andy, Andy Garcia <laughs> yeah President Andy Garcia is there you, you know how but, I know President President Andy Garcia tried for this movie he shaved his beard. <laughs> like that means the one, he, the one that he had from passengers the, the one that he had from everything post 1994 <laughs> like it seems like he's always had a beard since then <laughs> like, but what i like about the movie is that it's um it's very matter of fact like it, it just there's no there's no interpretation for the audience to do it just literally cuts from scene to scene giving you exactly what you need to know <laughs> project Zeus. there are tens of thousands of storm simulations in here and each one is starting in a different place they all end the same way a geostorm. I mean, unlike anything we've ever seen. Uh, Dana, can you can you show us just uh, the simulation that begins in Afghanistan? Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, uh, now filter those so that the second malfunction's over Hong Kong. Where are you going with this? Uh, what if Chang realized that someone was following one of his scenarios? You know, making it look like a predicted pattern of malfunction. You know, disguising a crime like a series of accidents. Someone has weaponized the global satellite system. So, for instance, like when uh, Chang Long, which I thought was a hilarious name, hilariously racist name, <laughs> his name is Chang Long. You're, yes, yeah. Daniel Wu's character. He's like Chang Long. He's like, why didn't you guys just give him his real name? Is Daniel Wu? That's a great name. <laughs> he could be Henry Long. Like that'd be that tough to do. <laughs> but you know, this guy is doing some uh, some code breaking in his office. He gets back. The next scene is cut to Jim Sturgis uh, understanding what he's telling him. And then the next scene is like Gerard Butler telling him secret code that is not very secret. Because if, if you're able to figure out what Gerard Butler is saying, <laughs> it's not a very good code that you guys develop as 13-year-olds. So it was – I wanted to love it more on a goofy level, and unfortunately it wasn't. I mean, like even – I, I laughed out loud at some parts, which are inappropriate. Like, for example – you know, when Jim Sturgis is saying, you're not coming back, are you? There is no part where laughter is inappropriate in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, in, that's but, incorrect. <laughs> yeah. On the whole, it was, some parts of it are fun. Some part, I was actually kind of disappointed that there wasn't more disaster. Yep, uh, you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of like, you know, it actually just wasn't as grandiose or there just wasn't as much of it as I perhaps uh, may have thought. I, I think it would have been more fun that way too. Um, but overall, it, it's a, it's an all right movie it's it's weird that some people clapped at the end of it because the message <laughs> for the like the daughter was like well if we all stand together then we can all do it and it's like some people are like clapping and i was like this is a ridiculous movie for you guys to be clapping that said she does she, she does say she does give a good message <laughs> she does give a good message and it, it, and it yeah is, uh, it is it is nice and you know wholesome 
but uh, I just uh, I, I didn't like it as much as I, I wanted to. So um, it has all the elements of a really fun, bad movie, but it's just not there because they, they tried to do a serious movie, a, a murder mystery movie. Um, I mean, like, I like when Gerard Butler socks like that British guy. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I would like to see more of that. Who also or, has a gun in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally multiple guns in space, you know? So it's, it's just, ah, oh, man, I wish Geostorm was more fun. A few, a few things. I want to, cause I don't want to forget these points. One, I like that. It almost seems like Abe was wearing like noise canceling headphones and just happens to have all the same opinions that we just, just yeah, yeah. About Geostorm. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. I was auditing. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Andy, Gar- let me, let me be fair to Andy Garcia. He was shaven in all those oceans movies. So there you go. But still, oh, he had like an ascot. In those he, movies. Yeah, he rarely does. They could have been CG'd out. I don't know. Soderbergh's weird. <laughs> uh, but Garcia did seem to come to play if he's going to shave that beard off to be the president. The other I thing, sh- let's talk about Chang Long for a second because this character. Chang Long is like the hero of the movie. <laughs> well, he basically is, right? He's the guy that figures things out, although he doesn't get to say things in time. But so to start with, we, we get Chang Long. He. He gets into a smart. He, at one point, he's like shopping. He it's drops an electric vehicle smart car. Yeah, he drops. Yeah. He drops his eggs, and the eggs start boiling on the asphalt in yeah. Hong Kong. And so he gets. He's like, "Oh, it's too hot!" And so he gets in his car. And he starts racing off, and he's racing against like a gas, like gas explosions, because like there's a gas. Heat yeah, <laughs> it's 135 degrees. Yeah, and so it's <laughs> blowing up Hong Kong as he's driving. Yeah. He's, he's racing in a smart car away from these explosions. I mean, yeah. to be fair, those electric cars they can get zero to sixty pretty quickly. That's, that's good true. for them, but that's it. He does this amazing car drive. Like he's getting, he, he gets away from yeah. a lot of buildings that Domino topple over. But th- that means nothing though, because he just gets like inauspiciously killed by being pushed into the street at one point. So it's like, oh, oh that mean, was... it was, it was so sad because I love how he very generally explains to uh, uh, Jim Sarge, just like, meet me at the cafe where we used to go in we, when we were in college. And I'm like, okay, this is the worst. You're, you're clearly not in a position where you're going to be here for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for it when they like when they, when they position him on the side of the road and like, oh, he's going to no. get hit by a car. And sure yeah, enough, not only is he going to hit by a car, a guy comes up behind him and pushes him into the street. He's him, yeah. It w- okay, do you guys think it was better or worse than Brad Pitt in Meet Joe Black? Nothing's better than Brad Pitt. I mean, that, he gets hit by two cars. That's the key to that. The, the key, yeah, the key to Meet Joe Black is that it's, for one thing, it's, like, in the background, and it's, like, he gets hit by not one, but two cars back-to-back. It's it's pretty yeah. pretty genius. I also, like, I want to point out, this is one of my favorite scenes, is at the end of the movie where uh, Andy Garcia, uh, Ed Harris is in, is it with some police, and then, G- <laughs> I was going to say Geostorm, Andy Garcia says, let him go, so that Andy <laughs> Garcia can, like, mansplain something to him, yeah. and then, and then Gerard Butler just punches him in the face. <laughs> this follows the this follows the or previous. Or not Gerard Butler, Jim Sturgis punches him in the face. Yeah. This follows the previous best scene in the film, where, where Ed Harris takes a rocket launcher out of the trunk of his car. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a henchman. It was a henchman. Yeah. No, he, no, no. Ed Harris takes it out of the car. The henchman <laughs> oh, shoots oh, the rocket. Yeah, but Ed, yeah, Ed Harris yeah. is the one that opens the trunk. Is like, gotta get this thing done the old way. I guess. Why would you tell him let him go? Like you, <laughs> oh, you're just using words. Yeah. If you were gonna like punch him yourself then i get it but it's like no let him go so i can explain something to him let me let's let's back up a bit uh this movie is directed by dean devlin which i said this is his directorial debut for a for, a, for a film. disaster movie he produced a lot of roland emmerich's films yes and yeah. but it, apparently he he just wasn't able to step up to the plate properly because this movie went through a lot of reshoots 
yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer came on board, which, if anything, the idea that Dean Devlin, Roland Emmerich, and Jerry Bruckheimer all got together to make a disaster movie <laughs> should be, like, the best disaster movie you've ever seen. Like, that's what it should yeah. result in. But regardless, they brought Jerry Bruckheimer on board, and he had another writer, like, rewrite a bunch of scenes, and director Danny Cannon came on board to, like, reshoot a bunch of this film. There was like It was like $15 million worth of reshoots. And Jeez. the bigger question I have, as opposed to any logic displays in, explaining in this movie, is what was reshot? Like, I'm dying to know what character was added that was like, yep, we've made this movie work now. Because we can, like, yeah. we, cause I know like they had a different actress playing his wife originally, uh, Gerard Butler's wife, who we barely see in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, what what plot lines did they like well, go back and forth on to make this yeah. thing work I out? mean, I, I would guess that it's some of the scientist stuff, like the space station scientists. Because I feel like there was more to to that part of the plot than than the Earth stuff, right? Um, and also, Abby Cornish, co MVP, she's great in this movie. Yeah, Ter- you and Terrence agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Well, because she got it. Like she got he, she had the, the right straight face for this film, where she didn't like. She made the most sense of the situation she was in, regardless of how ridiculous it was. Even in yeah. the midst of a lightning strike destroying an entire stadium, um, <laughs> she's still driving the car away and getting mm-hmm. to a car chase. She had that great line where she's like, "You get a car, I'll get the, I'll get a president or whatever." That was great. <laughs> and yeah. that was a really clever move that she did. She's like, "Oh, there's a there's a gunman spotted," and she just fires her guns. Like, "Oh, that, that's a pretty." That's a practical thing for her to do to, to make the convention go crazy. Also, I had a question. Why is, like, the GOP never a part of, like, any of these movies? It's always, like, a Democratic president. What's up with that? Well, because the well, Democratic see, president's like... always arguing for, like, the state of the, the state of the world as far as greater good. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's greater. what I found interesting about the, the, you mentioning, like, the daughter's message and, like, the way this movie started out with, like, you know, weather got so terrible and mm. was killing all of the humans and we fought back and I was like, we caused that mm-hmm. probably <laughs> like, you don't know was... that terrence humans humans haven't been held accountable for anything yet i was like i was like we're not going to talk about you know global warming and greenhouse gases and, and the effect the industrialization has had on the earth okay I, I, honestly i'd like to think that this movie's in the same universe as the day after tomorrow which is very heavily reliant on that and so i feel yeah. like we're just kind of supposed to assume it it is from the D- dean devlin and roland emmerich are very much in that line of thinking so yeah, I, mean, I love I, day after tomorrow so um, it's certainly a movie <laughs> it's it is great <laughs> uh so are the first two thirds of 2012. Um, <laughs> I agree, all of that I agree with. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think we've been mentioning sort of how there's like several movies going on mm-hmm. at once, um, and I think what bummed me out a bit was that it wasn't as much like there was a lot of disaster, but I think in terms of you know as the geostorm starts. I was like, so we're really only going to see this effect maybe five cities the whole movie? To, mm-hmm. to be fair, let's be clear. The Geostorm does, in fact, start because there's a countdown clock to the Geostorm. <laughs> we see, we merely see the wind-up to the Geostorms. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then with the logic of the villain, mm-hmm. I was like, this doesn't make any sense because... Everyone the United would States, die. <laughs> the United States is getting hit equally as awful, you yeah. know. Uh, 
The logic was a little flawed, too. I actually kind of understood it a little bit more when he starts explaining about the hegemony of let, the United States. Let's, but let's, it's like, let's, oh. Hold on. Let's, the logic is a little flawed. Let's not, I don't want to get sound <laughs> clips of us very, saying stupid very things. Flawed, very flawed. I mean, it, it is very dumb. Basically, you're just going to be destroying the Earth for no other reason than, like, than I can and I did it. Yeah. So it, it's just like it's just like a, a evil mustache twirling henchman at this point. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about space. We talked a lot about Earth. Space has some funny stuff going on, too. Because mm. Gerard Butler's at the International... It's not the International Space. It's like the... It's like a... The International... Like, what... It's like a the uh, the climate. International Climate Space Station. They're at the ICSS. Mm, uh, which, okay. they, which they built to control these satellites, of course. This is, like, the most... Like, they only built this in a few years, apparently, too. Because it's, like, 2019. Uh but it's like the most like it has a, its own satellite building workshop within the space station mm-hmm. that's constantly like ejecting satellites out into space yeah. um, with these giant arms that, of course, go like all kinds of wiry. It's the most <laughs> unsafe space station where like random things could happen at any moment's notice. There's no security, even though they seem to have cameras around places like it's the weirdest. Like, I, <laughs> they have so many people on this thing, yet nobody seems to know what's going on at random times. And forget about, you know, how sp- space works as far as being in space with spacesuits and whatnot it's just yeah you know they go out there and maybe there's a little sound and they just they're plowing into every like there's a point where gerard butler and the um the the german scientist i believe I yeah the, the commander like they're out in space in space in spacesuits they're trying to like get a thing that's like lodged somewhere and Gerard Butler gets, like, his suit gets sabotaged, and he yeah. starts flying all over the place. Never mind that he somehow stays within the realm of the space station. Yeah. But he's flying all over the place, and he's crashed into everything. Like, he's crashed yeah, right. into all these antennae. Do you know what I was thinking? All, that the, during all that the scene? solar panels. Yeah, what? what? I, I was thinking, this is millions, if not billions of dollars worth of damage you're doing yeah. to Gerard Butler. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and it's, like, almost, no, like, the, it, when he gets right back on the space station, the one guy's like, you just damaged a whole bunch of things. like, yeah, but I'm okay, so, you know, back off. And then... <laughs> Never again. Well, <laughs> I just I just like how there's like a mystery going on on the space station. And at one point I was like, wait, but can you even trust the commander? You know, what's her role in all this? But, you know, they didn't go that deep into it. So I was like, well, I'm kind of disappointed in that. I didn't think that the, or there wasn't more of like a of a of a, you know, who done it on the space station. Well, I like how they, they they do it for two people. They give and you, those they give two you, people are not enough. They give you a giant red herring, which I'm like, well, it's either going to be this because the movie's that dumb or it's not <laughs> going to be this because the movie can't possibly be that mm-hmm. dumb. Uh, but then it seems like they just kind of flipped a coin. It's like, let's make it this one because it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it could have been it any one. It of definitely those, doesn't no. matter. Could have yeah. been any one of those guys. <laughs> I also like how, again, everything is explained to you, right, whether it's long or short. And when the when the spaceship has to go into this emergency mode uh, of like these these very specific things happening, uh, Dry Bartler's just like, well, the first thing to go is like the gas canisters, and then it cuts to gas canisters exploding, and, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess there's no real there's no real danger here because I I don't really get a sense for you guys being in peril. I'm pretty sure even though you lied to your brother and lied to the audience members, you're gonna be okay. Let's let's talk about Gerard Butler for a second. Because... Gerard Butler as a scientist, did you guys believe it? That's my no. first question. Gerard Butler no. is a scientist in this movie. <laughs> I get I get what they were I get what they were trying to do. They were like King Leonidas, but fat. <laughs> like we can there's something here, like they wanted to make him like this everyman guy, and I just don't, I just don't see it for Gerard Butler. Yeah, yeah I, I think he did admirably, but I just don't see it for him. 
There's those moments where he's like explaining the science of the thing, like the you know, oh, of course I know what that thing is. It changes the molecular or something. And he's like rattling off these like science words. And but you're like, no, dude, like not, not like right after he's you know gotten into a fist fight with somebody or he's running around the station or you know they show him like changing out the engines in people's cars. So he's like this everyman like genius. It just doesn't. It does not work at all. I, <laughs> I, I'm starting to wonder. I have very little experience of acting, but in scripts, when they have these kind of movies, if the scripts actually just say science words and then they're just fed <laughs> these through like an earbud <laughs> on the day, like on the day of filming, they're like Gerard Bartlett walks walks up. He's like, "What am I supposed to say in this scene? It just says science words." Like, don't worry, we'll just put an earbud in and you'll we'll yeah. just kind of feed you some lines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just, just go feed it. it. Yeah. yeah, you're good. You can do this. Did That's... you guys like angry Senator Richard Schiff? Not enough, Richard Schiff. But I would agree, actually. There's yeah, never, like, there, there should have been constant scenes of him like arguing with every single thing that Gerard Butler was doing in that movie. Yes, that's true. Like, uh, he's, always, guys... he's only in the oh. one. Like, that's made, that makes you wonder where the reshoots came in. It's like, well, how do we have yeah. Richard Schiff and he's only in for this one scene when it's great? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's... It, is, it is pretty good. Did you guys believe Jim Sturgis and Gerard Butler to be brothers? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of look alike. I think that they dyed Jim Sturgis' hair maybe darker black. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I I could see it, but I I think I came in when you guys were talking about uh, someone having to fire somebody. I kind of laughed at that part because <laughs> he just said it so quietly. He's like, "Oh, uh, they they're they're gonna put me in charge. You're fired." <laughs> Cut to three years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the time jump was rough. Well, I like also, that. As, I, a, as hold on, as a yeah. as as Doctor Gerard. Uh, Jake Geostorm. Um, the the logic from he's like the the guy that saved the world thanks to his weather satellite system. Mm-hmm. Because he got fired from this job, he had no other choice but to just like work on cars in some yeah. back lodge in Florida for the rest of his life. Like he just wanted no... to be he wanted to be close to the space shuttle launch. Yeah, yeah. He, so he's he's chosen his life because he's like he's clean shaven in the first scene. Next scene though, when, you know, three years later, he's got like a. All, constant stubble every scene he's like apparently he's a bad father like to his child who's still like a good inventor anyway like it's really like, <laughs> the, the the amount of kind of drama they put on gerard butler's life at that point is hilarious to me. yes yeah <laughs> well i just like how um like he drink, he, sorry he drinks at like 10 30 in the morning like that's another like it just <laughs> right. like all I, these things yeah i think that they had some trouble with the licensing on the first shot of the can of beer because yep. he purposely turns it so that you don't see the label. And then in the second shot, you're like, oh, it's a Coors Light. <laughs> and in any case, um, whatchamacallit, I was going to ask you guys about... I, I, uh, I, I, I yeah. did like that the... Because Gerard Butler really seems to like killing people from the Middle East and Africa, it was nice that there's a change in pace here as far as who's behind the plots of this movie. Because <laughs> like the first, the first attack is on an Afghanistan village. It's like the, so it's like yeah. he's, he still got to kill some people inadvertently. <laughs> like he still got to, he still got to get that going for him. Well, yeah, and my, but my thing with that scenario was like U.S. controlled, <laughs> yeah. you know, Go on. Like, global. <laughs> like weapon right literally we can shape and that happens and it was just just brushed right on over and just moved right along 
and no real consequences. Well, yeah, by the end of this movie, we're supposed to assume that President Andy Garcia's administration will not be held accountable because of yeah. all the reveals they made, despite the fact crazy. that his that under his watch, Dubai was destroyed, and <laughs> in, in, like uh, what uh, Brazil, like Rio de Janeiro was destroyed, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, the the like a, a a stadium full of. I assume that like the the Democratic National Party was destroyed. According to according to Ed Harris, basically everybody that was in succession was in that DNC convention. So the vice president was killed. Yeah, no, it's basically the house was killed. No, it's basically like yeah, it, uh, Ed Harris is locked up. So it's up to President Andy Garcia and like the direct the the director of agriculture are the two left. So, like that's my assumption. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, the U, it's a U.S. controlled space station that controls the weather of the entire world. <laughs> that's that's Which, what we have it, to do. It just makes no like, <laughs> and it's like two days away from handing it over to the to the the UN or whatever. Like, oh, if we yeah. only made it those two days. Well, it was what it was the one date that they knew the president was going to be where he was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that's true. Makes sense. I do right. like that this movie holds up the fact that dogs don't die in movies that are Independence Day adjacent, and so they make yep. sure to set up a dog. Yeah, I was wondering about that because they cut to that three times, and I was yep. like. Is this guy ever gonna get his dog back? Well, it's also like the it's like the most adorable small dog possible. So it's like, well, I guess yeah. we gotta know that this thing lives. Well, for me, it was like it was just watching that girl run from the beach, her and her boyfriend. Oh yeah, oh boyfriend, terrible fate. That the the greatest thing about that is that it, it shows the entire her entire plot of running from the beach to like the the one back alley she could find apparently, yeah. and a but a fucking plane crashes from the sky. Hey, well, yeah, but, to close but, back alley would suck. Yeah, but but. After all of that, the, the camera cuts away. We don't even know what happened to her. Exactly. Like it just cuts away. No, from the scene. You just you you're you're left wondering whether well, what does happen because everything behind her is all frozen solid, right? So well, it's a baffling. We don't we don't does the freeze keep coming? Does the plane crash into her? Like it stops really but does it get She's it? She's also like... not wearing shoes. <laughs> so so her feet could be frozen. True. Frostbite. Wow, we love this movie. <laughs> it uh <laughs> All those I little just... scenes, those those like the the freezing scene and the the Dubai scene, the, instead of like with a Roland Emmerich movie where these are like things that we revisit or like it really impacts the thousands of characters that are in his movies, like they just felt like these weird vignettes. They're like, let's just film a couple of these. We'll we'll you know sprinkle them into the film wherever we need them, and then put a bunch of them in the trailer to get people in the theaters. Instead yeah. of them being an actual like part of the movie, like instead of there being the geostorm that we need to like fix, it's just like ah, here's some vignettes of like what what can we think of? Oh, a beach in Brazil gets frozen. Like that's kind of cool. We'll do that scene. It, it's very weird. Well, it's like I can I, I know what you're saying, and I can I agree with you. I think the 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 geostorm it's the kind of movie it's the kind of disaster movie where it it, it has it has its cake and eat it too, where it has to be like <laughs> it it it. it it explains that there's a terrible scenario happening, but because audiences obviously honestly want to see the destruction where it's like, well, we need to find a way to have bad things happen, even though we're mm. trying to prevent this thing from happening. Same like Armageddon where it's like, there's a giant meteor, but you're not going to see that happen. It's so an like, asteroid. So it, 
I'm, I'm staring Did you not at, watch the movie? I'm staring at your fucking <laughs> Skype avatar right now. <laughs> like, dude, disapproval. The asteroid is coming, but you don't want to see the asteroid hit the Earth. So how do you solve the plant the part where you, the part where you need destruction? Well, you have little me- you have little tiny meteors going off the asteroid hitting Earth. And it's yeah. Like, so this movie's like that, where it's like, well, we can't have the actual geostorm happen because that means everything ends. So we have little storms happen all over the world. But it's like, but I agree with you, brought Like, yeah, you don't really care about anything. But at the same time, that wasn't bothering me so much. What was <laughs> what was bothering me is that, all due respect to the great Gerard Butler, Jim Sturgis, Abby Cornish, and what have you, this isn't a cast that compares to something like 2012 or Independence oh, Day, where you have no. a lot of really cool character actors that are acting their asses off, or any disaster movie, really. Like, a lot of disaster movies have really good actors in them, regardless of how bad yeah. their performance is. Like, you don't get Oscar-worthy material from uh, from Paul Giamatti in San Andreas <laughs> because he didn't try. Like, he's given it his all in that movie. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Remember oh, Paul Giamatti in San Andreas? He's amazing. I love, he's amazing. I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, he's like taking off his glasses slowly and basically he saying that there's gonna be yeah, there's he he's has, like see he's got he's got a Chinese assistant too in that movie and that Chinese assistant you know goes out in in a way that is like oh that's a bummer because he gets killed at like the Hoover Dam yeah see but yeah. his name's also not Chang Long <laughs> he, he's not a Street Fighter reject Chang Long <laughs> they, yeah. they 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 change it to Fei Long yeah yeah I just yeah. think that like I so I'm trying to. I guess when I got to this particular point in the movie, my brain was already so numb that I didn't recall. But like the, so the villain guy in space, mm-hmm. what was his motivation for doing this again? I don't, I, I couldn't tell you either. I'm trying. It was just funny. Cause, cause he, he essentially says that, Hey, you know, uh, we don't get a lot of credit for being scientists, but uh, I'm just gonna do it for the money. It's like this is this is really lame. <laughs> he said something like, "You know what a scientist gets paid? It was like that times a thousand. It was yeah, yeah. So like, it's like it's it's all money related. But that guy is so like scrawny. It just <laughs> just really didn't make any sense for him to be some guy that has to be punched out four times by Gerard Butler. <laughs> yeah, I, and then I think for like. I did like when he pulled the gun on Gerard Butler, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Gerard, Gerard yeah. Butler's being stared down by this guy right now. <laughs> yeah. And my whole thing was like, everybody was like, okay, it's a virus. I was like, so maybe we should start with the people who have coding experience. Yeah. Like, let's get them in a room <laughs> and investigate this. There was no time. <laughs> yeah, they only had an hour and a half, or they couldn't. They couldn't. They didn't have enough evidence, so you know they needed more than just dead Chang Long to get them high on this. <laughs> Poor guy. Also, I didn't hear what Chang Long said, but I'm gonna guess it. it like, I think it comes up later when he's whispering something to uh, to Jim Sturgis there. I think he told Jim about. You just said like where to no, go. I think he said Zeus. That's what. I think yeah, he said, said Project Zeus. Project Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So. <laughs> I feel like we like this movie more than we did when we initially started talking about it. Yeah, still. I mean, there's so much to talk about. We're we didn't talking even talk about into it, but how... it's just not as fun. What else, Ron? <laughs> we didn't talk about how great Ed Harris is. Like, oh, he's... oh, yeah. Well, Ed Harris, he's... is he's incapable of giving a bad performance. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it it's... sucks because he and, like and Richard Schiff are great, and they're not in the movie enough. And you really want, you're like, man, these guys are just so good. I want more of them. Well, I mean, Richard Schiff, is, he's given the shift um, for sure because he only has the one scene but Ed Harris at least as I said gets to pull a rocket launcher out of the trunk of the yeah, car that's true that's <laughs> right. true yeah um, and he gets to fire some guns but yeah <laughs> any any other thoughts on Geostorm I'm, I'm just I'm just bummed out that it wasn't as fun yeah. it wasn't fun I should say it's just kind of boring and yeah yeah 
It did. Don't see it? I don't know. That's my note. Don't see well, it. Well, that's our next question here. When should people <laughs> go and see this movie is how we rate these movies on this program. Okay. So, so Bron, when, when when would you be, say people should see this movie? Which go, Netflix. Which we, as we see, yes, we have a range that goes kind of like from theaters down to Netflix or HBO or even TV. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I think Netflix would be fine. It's something you can throw on Netflix and chill kind of thing. Or like... Uh, if if you're like if you got some, I just don't even think it's it's entertaining enough to have like a party and have people laugh at it, but maybe like a maybe on that. But yeah, Netflix. We'll have Netflix to see in the, the years to come reevaluation of Geostorm whether it's <laughs> with, with the with the dorm bro crowd as far as oh we love watching Geostorm. <laughs> Terrence, how about you? Why don't you people see this movie? Um, I'll I'll say when it comes on HBO, you definitely should have a party invite a whole bunch of <laughs> film adjacent or film school students because I feel like they would get a kick out of talking about how awful this <laughs> movie is. I've definitely seen, as a former film school student myself, <laughs> I've definitely fit, seen bad movies with that group and it's very interesting. <laughs> um, it's too bad because I, I want to encourage people to go see it on a big screen. It's just it's not disastery or fun enough to justify me being like, like San Andreas. I was like, go see that in IMAX 3D. Yeah. <laughs> he outrides a giant wave in a power yes. boat. He decides to go whoa, over whoa, the crest. Let's, not, let's, let's not spoil San Andreas. That one still has some, <laughs> some surprises in store, people, guys. Yeah. So definitely this movie, Geostorm, when it comes on HBO. Abe, how about you? I do also want to say that in San Andreas, they pass by an old couple because they're like, we can't take them, only to be like shamed later when they when they return to them. Uh, in any case, uh, I, I think this is like a fun TNT movie where you can watch it with commercials and you're like, well, well okay, I guess I'll go do something for like two minutes and then come back to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will say that I did have a nice night with my lovely girlfriend watching Geostorm. Now, granted, <laughs> it was nice leading up to it because we were able to we had dinner. We, we played the Jurassic Park arcade game because we were early. Nice. Then we saw the movie. And yes, the movie, it's not very good. It's not as fun as it could be. Um, so I, I would say uh, as a date night movie, mm, yeah, not great. But as a movie that you could eventually watch on HBO being like, what was that Geostorm about? Yeah, you, you could do that. You could, you, could get, you, can go on, you can go on that one. When it premieres Saturday night on HBO six months from now that's exactly when you want to watch it on a saturday night yeah <laughs> exactly yeah what else is on well saturday night live streaming what else li- can i do live coast everything. to coast now but geostorm <laughs> <laughs> so all right i think we've laid into this one enough somehow still not as bad as the snowman uh moving on uh let's get to let's get to, let's get to our feedback 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 this is where we go over the various questions that, questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We asked a number of questions for you guys, to, you listeners, to answer, and you gave us some answers. Then you asked us a question that we can uh, try to go to answer ourselves. So uh, I, I'll start this week. Uh, and, uh, Bron and Terrence, feel free to lend your answers when you want. Um, what's your favorite movie about really bad weather? Manish writes, the planets in Interstellar look miserable. <laughs> George writes, I sound like a broken record, but birdemic. And Justin writes The Poseidon Adventure, the original. Mm. I'd say Clatter the Chance of Meatballs. Oh, nice. How did I, I mean, think of this? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, that's obviously that's the great. answer to me. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mr. T saves everybody with a giant piece of toast. <laughs> <laughs> Anything uh, from you guys, Bron or Terrence? That's a great answer. I like I like Clatter with a Chance of Meatballs. It's a, 
That's perfect. This yeah. is his favorite bad weather movie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. A, a day after tomorrow. You're a big day after tomorrow. Hey, yeah. I love that. I unequivocally love that movie. <laughs> we uh, right. we did a commentary for Day After Tomorrow not too long ago. It's uh, it is a long movie to do a commentary for. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not as long as 2012. <laughs> not as long as 2012. You're right. <laughs> okay. Next question. We asked everybody who's an actor who you never see phoning it in. They're always doing their best. Jason has Tom Hanks. Justin has Tom Cruise. Manish has Denzel and Meryl Streep. They're married now, Denzel and Meryl Streep. Yeah, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. Daryl has phone. Yeah. Um, well, Ed Harris is my answer to that question. That's, that's Yeah, Ed Harris is... Have you, have you ever seen the uh, the making of for The Rock? Yes. There's, <laughs> there's scenes where Ed Harris like gets mad at himself for not knowing the lines, and I'm like, dude, this guy's intense. He's, he's like that on the commentary track for The Rock, too, where he criticizes really? his performance. <laughs> yeah, so Ed Harris, never phoning it in. I, don't, I, I, I thought about Brad Pitt for this answer. I was like, I don't think yeah, Brad Pitt has ever really phoned it in. He plays goofy characters, but I don't think he's ever really phoning it in. Yeah, early on, Brad Pitt's done some shit. Um, California phoning? <laughs> no, California's great. He's great in California. No, it's not like Cool World. Oh, well, he's oh, a yeah. that one. Like, Hanks has done some bad stuff, too. <laughs> Hanks has that, like, uh, Larry Crown. Like, Cruz is an... E- yeah, we don't need to talk about Larry Crown. Well, how do you define <laughs> phoning it in? Well, like, just just doesn't seem like they're there. Like, they, you, they, they're not trying. I mean, like, uh, yeah, phoning it in as in, as in the movie is there, it's being produced, but that person's just there for the paycheck and just literally... Just like delivering his lines, playing as a jar of mustard. It's something hard to assess, I would say for sure. I mean, I don't think anyone's necessarily not trying to do a good job. At the same time, I know where a lack of enthusiasm is when I see it. I True. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would go with Paul Giamatti, brought up earlier. I, I think <laughs> he's true. He really just I gives mean, if, it yeah. his if all. If San Andreas everything. isn't going to put him down, nothing is. <laughs> not, no, even in Fred Claus, he's given it his all. <laughs> he gets to play Santa Claus, Abe. Why would you phone that in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Here, here we go. Let's let's go to the next one. Next question: right. What actor needs a new agent? Uh, as in, they need to get some things in line here because just things aren't working out. <laughs> uh, Manish writes Naomi Watts, and Alessandro writes John Cusack. John Cusack feels like there's been some stories that he's just being very difficult to work with these days. I don't know if that's true, but um, I know he's, I would... he's very political these days but as oh, far as his, as far as his film efforts i don't i'm not sure if that's the case that said he's done a lot of direct-to-video stuff lately you know. yeah didn't naomi watts just get her just had her own netflix show popped up on twin peaks and you know the less said about the book of henry the better but like <laughs> i think i think she's doing okay yeah i'm not uh, sure where the naomi watts one comes from yeah i don't know about that one like i, I can taylor like, kitsch because uh, I, I love that guy, and I don't know if it's his agent or it's just him. It's I him. I, I don't it's think him. <laughs> it's him. Because <laughs> if you, if you maybe, look at maybe the... he's just better for TV then. Well, I just I don't I think he's not making the wrong choices. Like I feel like especially with 2012 or when tooth sorry not the movie the year 2012 like, yeah, happened. Oh, you don't. I mean, if you get offered an Andrew Stanton sci-fi adventure, understood, a summer understood. blockbuster, and an Oliver Stone film, I don't see saying no is like you know you'd say yes to those things. I don't see that as inherently a bad choice. It's just those movies didn't do well for him whatsoever. They're all awful. <laughs> he was awful in True Detective season two. That's what I hear. 
if you haven't watched it, don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't plan so, on it. <laughs> I ask this question because Michael Fassbender's been in a string of really bad movies lately. And it's like, it's not Fassbender, because he's not bad, but Assassin's Creed, Snowman, another X-Men movie, and he's got another one coming. It's just like... <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Uh, next question. Who are some leading men or women who seem to be much more at home in weirder roles? Greg has Jake Gyllenhaal. Manish has Janelle Monet seems to be a sci-fi queen. Needs Justin to be has Scarlett no. Johansson, and Adam Gentry has Abraham Mua. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is a weird guy in weird roles. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, Kristen Stewart. Nice. Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I like that. I also but her, her weird like uh-huh. if I can just keep you want to talk about somebody who's age if I can just tell her agent do not put her in anything big budget. Ever again? Mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty accurate because she did Camp X-Ray. Is it where? Yeah, there's all everything she's been doing. Yeah, like lately. every small movie that she's done has been really good. Like Adventureland yeah. uh, or Personal Shopper. Stay away from. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd say I mean the one-two punch is her and Robert Pattinson because Pattinson's doing great too in these smaller things. He's doing great. Yeah. yeah. He's great in uh, in uh, Good Time, which I really love this year, and he's yeah. doing what like the Rover, another one. I mean, he's. I I couldn't. I refuse to see a Good Time. Why? He's great. <laughs> After the director did that interview where he's talking about how he wanted Robert Pattinson to jerk off that dog, I was oh, that's not for me. <laughs> but it doesn't. He doesn't do anything like that. <laughs> the, no, because he, Robert Pattinson was like, "Yeah, I don't want to do that." But I was like, "This, I don't, I don't know if the if a director who that's like their vision for the movie is somebody that I want to support." Fair enough. That's that's a good point. <laughs> Our, uh, our next question is, favorite films about a team trying to do the right thing or save lives? This is in reference to the uh, Only the Brave uh, film that came out, the Firefighter mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Greg mm-hmm. writes, Ghostbusters, The Monster Squad, and Nightburn and Elm Street Dream Warriors. Nice. None of those three I would have seen coming, but they're all very <laughs> acceptable answers. <laughs> a team trying to do the right thing or save lives. Yeah, <laughs> Mage has a much more agreeable answer, which is Spotlight. <laughs> so, yeah. Which also I didn't necessarily see coming. That was that was when I, you know, I was thinking more of something like firefighters or whatnot. But it's mm-hmm. like, okay, these are actually really yeah. great answers. I do I like that. Seven Samurai. <laughs> there you go, Seven Samurai. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Nothing really to add here on my side. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll move into the next question. What are your favorite serial killer thrillers? And I think this is in relation to um, the Snowman. The Snowman. Justin says. Both of the already mentioned, but would like to add Psycho. And he's talking about, uh, I think, Science of the Lambs and something else. But Dennis has Science of the Lambs. Greg has big fan of I'm Not a Serial Killer. Manish has 2011's Dragon Tattoo. And lastly, Chris has Seven. Uh, yeah, Silence of the Lambs and Seven. Yeah. I, I would have <laughs> gone with Seven. Seven was my answer there. Yeah. There you go. I get, I mean... If you want to count them as a group, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking it's a, about it's that. A group effort. <laughs> it's a group effort. A crazy family group effort. <laughs> All right. Um, our last question, uh, which we didn't get any answers for, so it's up to us now. Uh, best post-1980 black and white films. This is in reference to Wonderstruck. Okay. Mm. So what, what, what are some black and white films post-1980 that you really love? A girl walks home alone at night. There you go. Good call. Hmm. Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. 
<sighs> the man who wasn't there. That's oh yeah. Movie. Okay. That is a good movie. Um, I liked the artist. Oh yeah. Academy Award winning artist. Yeah. I think some others. Nebraska's a great one. Sin City. There you go. The first. Well, yeah, so it's got mm... flashes of color in it. <laughs> I uh, I understand. I understand. <laughs> so Schindler's List is out too. Yeah, Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah, that little girl's pink coat really ruined it for everybody. <laughs> oh, you know what? Ida. Oh yeah, okay. that's only like eighty-eight minutes, right? I, Ida, which I I was very happy to champion every time I could when that movie was out. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, now we'll move into questions. Oh, wait, wait, wait! I thought uh, uh, Francis Ha. Noah Baumbach's Francis Ha. It's another great one. <laughs> I, I'm just, I like they're, just they're just occurring to me, so I'm trying to think. About yeah. That. Yeah, as, as you get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Clerks. 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 That's a good one. All right, we can All right. keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're moving to questions that people ask us for everybody here on the panel, Manish asks everyone here today, why do you think modern audiences laugh at inappropriate times during classic films when they're shown nowadays? Is it something that you've ever experienced? That's a good question. Ooh, I have a good example for this. I mean, it's, it's okay. most often horror movies. Uh, yes. Um, I remember... I got the Exorcist for Christmas <laughs> and I was in like high school. That's my favorite yeah. Harry Connick Jr. Christmas song, by the way. I got the Exorcist for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> and it came to the part with like the crucifix. Yeah. And and like this little, I, I just started laughing because this little girl was, this is like super weird and gross and crazy, but she's also like 13 and she's cussing her mom out. And so my mother looked at me like I was crazy when I was laughing during that. But I really think it's just about like, change in in taste and and you know yeah the situation that the movie you know that you're put in when you're watching yeah it film. happens in horror movies for me too because we watched rosemary's baby as a group uh in college and we just laughed a lot because um they're you know uh to be fair they... ruth gordon as the neighbor is pretty hilarious but keep going <laughs> <laughs> But they just say stuff like uh, "Let's make love" all the time whenever they hear a noise, and mm. then there's like they uh, they're always checking what's behind in the closet, and we're like, "Oh, watch out! There might be a vacuum in there." Because there, obviously, the tension is supposed to build, and it, if you watched it in the theater, I'm sure that it probably would have been very tense. But watching it with a group where we're just riffing on it, it was uh, inintent unintentionally funny. Ed Wood's another uh, black and white. Ed Wood is just great though. Nice. Nice. No, I'm just, I'm just thinking of black and white movies and stuff. <laughs> oh, Ed Wood and um, Lahane is another one. Um, why do modern audiences laugh at inappropriate times? I mean, it's, like you're saying, uh, Terrence, I mean, you know, there's a tasting involved. I think there's, a, even without horror movies, there's a kind of a, a sense of awkwardness sometimes where you just don't know how, to, or nervousness, I guess, where you just don't quite know how to accept what's going on except for laughter. That seems like the most natural way to get through a scene. Uh, specifically with tension or whatnot, because you know, even if it's, a fa- if it's a false alarm or whatnot, you're like, it's a sense of relief that nothing really happened, but you're like kind of laughing at the fact that you got scared to begin with. You know, it's little little factors like that. Uh, but yeah, obviously, just uh, the uh, the the way times were different in some cases, where something yeah. might just ring differently than it did back in the nineteen you know, seventies, sixties, fifties, forties. Yeah, I think it's just the the change in the times there. I'm trying, just like a, bre- I'm trying to think of a specific example of something. Breakfast at Tiffany's? The neighbor? Just oddly uh, racist? 
it, it's more of like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, because like, that was that was another uh, <laughs> uh, date night for Anna and I once. We watched <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's, and yeah, those scenes come up, and you're like, yep, that's part of this. Yep, yeah, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <not> okay. <laughs> Um, Chang Long. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we can move on. Okay. Well, that that was feedback. 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 And now it's uh, time for Abe. What a what, what? Aaron. I think it's time for a few games here. Little known fact, that's actually the code that would have worked to reboot the computer without it, the space station blowing up. Yeah, if there were <laughs> biometrics, it would be that improv game for games. <laughs> that was also they, a stupid thing. They say, they, say, they say biometrics a ton of times in Geostorm, yes. by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> they like, constantly yes, they say biometrics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also like how there's a person in the room using the uh, that satellite thing so that they can never really have a private, intimate conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's always just like some guy listening. Well, that's why I had to use the code. Mm-hmm. Well, in the yeah, in the later one, somebody has to help him with the code. Anyway, I've got a few games for you guys here. Good. What what are the, what are these? What are these games? First one is called On a Scale of Roger Ebert Edition. I was uh, <laughs> curious about how good Aaron is at this Roger Ebert thing, so I I'll explain, ask you guys a few questions. Ex- explain what this Roger Ebert thing is. So, On a Scale of is uh, I'll name a movie, and Roger Ebert's scale is from zero stars to four stars, and I'd like to see if you guys can guess as close as you can to what Roger Ebert. Uh, rated a movie um i'll just ask each one of you guys and this is just more for funsies so you're bringing this up because i claim that i'm very good at knowing the star ratings roger ebert gave you seem to say that you're the best at it Um, (laughs) i'm very good with roger ebert scores (laughs) challenge this so uh here we go here and i'll ask you guys individually here but uh uh john carpenter's the thing aaron don't start with me. Go with the other guys. Okay, Brian? <laughs> uh, I would say three. Three. And uh, Terrence? How many stars does he go up to? He goes to he four. Goes up to four. Yeah. Um, two and a half. Okay. And Aaron? Two. Terrence is two and a half. It is two and a half. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I know he doesn't like it. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Animal House. Terrence? Ooh, Three. Okay, and Bron? I'm also going to go with three. Aaron? Four. It is four. (laughs) (laughs) You seem to love Animal House. Jeez. Stand and deliver. Bron? Oof. Uh, Let's go with 1.5. Okay. And Terrence? I don't even remember this movie. Mr. Escalante with Edward J. Olmos? He has to teach the calculus to Lou Diamond Phillips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One star. (laughs) You said one star? One One star. Okay. And Aaron? Two and a half. It is two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Robocop. Uh, Terrence? Three. Okay. And Bron? Oof. Uh, Well, geez. Let's, Let's go with one. And Aaron? I also believe it's three. It is three. Mm-hmm. You guys are pretty Jeez. good at that. The Muppet movie. Bron? <laughs> Four. And Terrence? Two. And Aaron? Whew. I'm going to say three. It's three and a half. Yeah, I, I was leaning on it. I went to three. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. <laughs> Tron. Terrence? Two and a half. Okay. And Bron? Two and a half. 
And Aaron. Four. It is four. Oh my <laughs> wow. god. Wow. <laughs> he loved that. An American Werewolf in London. You've chosen Aaron... a good set of movies here, I gotta say. This is... <laughs> yeah, I tried to be like really obscure here. Yeah. Amer- an American Werewolf in London. Braun? American Werewolf in London. Uh, let's go with three and a half. Okay. And Terrence? Four. And Aaron? Two. It is too. Wow. Oh my God. Is, is he he praised the he makeup, is, yes. but didn't like the tone, I think. I think he didn't like how it goes like between yeah. funny and you know horror. Two more here. Oh. I spit on your grave, the 1980 <laughs> one. Ooh. Uh, Bron? Uh, let's go with two. Okay. Terrence? Half a star. Half a star. And Aaron? Terrence is close because it's zero stars. Yeah, he gave it a thumbs down. No stars at all. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's, thumb, zero, like, that's zero stars. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the I didn't have the courage to go with, with zero. <laughs> yeah. He hated that movie. So uh, it was really interesting. I wanted to see if anyone can get that. Uh, Footloose. <laughs> Terrence. Oh, God. Three. 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 And Bron? Uh, let's go 3.5. 0.5. And Aaron? One and a half. It is one and a half. All right. What is it? Do you have his freaking... Like, no, I'm just really good at Roger Ebert's course. <laughs> All right. And now we'll go on to the game where it actually counts. Uh, that one was a frenzy. This one is... Uh, hey, I was in that. Hold on. Which hold is- on. Abe, are you satisfied with my Roger Ebert movie knowledge? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Okay. No. I, I want. We're going to go back to this at another time. Okay, good. Uh, another quick game here. Hey, I was in that, which is where I'll name you guys actors that are in a movie. These are all disaster movies. And if you know the movie I'm talking about, buzz in with your name by saying your name and tell me the name of the movie that I'm that I'm uh, describe or that I'm naming the actors to. These are the real names, not their character names. So uh, again, buzz in with your name and oh, we should tell go back. Me the movie. That's a fun game too, though. We got to go. I got to think of that one for next week, maybe <laughs> <laughs> where you name the character names. For Roger Cooper? <laughs> no, for no character. No, the character names from the movie. Character ones are hard. That one's hard. This is these it are can, the actual. It actors, can be though. depending on the movie. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> J. O. Sanders. Dash Mihook. Aaron. Aaron. Uh, the day after tomorrow. It is. I was hoping that Terrence was going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Lorna Patterson. Robert Hayes. Peter Graves. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Bridges. Aaron. Jesus. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Aaron, Aaron. Aaron. Airplane. That's right. It is uh, Airplane. Yeah. Nice. Here we go here. Victor Garber. Bernard Hill. Aaron. Uh, Titan- go ahead, Aaron. Titanic. Titanic, Titanic. is correct. <laughs> oh, I, oh. <laughs> I got to, like, shout louder into my microphone. <laughs> oh, my brain. I was like... This has to be Titanic because Victor Garber. That's... Victor Garber, yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Here we go. Here, John Malkovich, Gina Rodriguez, James Dumont, Dylan O'Brien, Kurt Russell, oh, Terrence. Horizon. Deepwater Horizon is correct. I wasn't thinking of that as a disaster. I was like, who's John Malkovich in a disaster? <laughs> here we go here. Peter Stormare. Aaron. Owen Wilson. Aaron. Armageddon. Armageddon is correct. <laughs> <laughs> here we go here. Uh, John Hawks. 
Will Fickner. Diane Lane. Oh, God. John C. Riley. Mark Wahlberg. Aaron. Aaron. Uh, perfect Storm. Storm is correct. It got me confused because Will Spickner is also in Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> he's also got a gun in space. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh, that's here a game in itself, here. space guns. <laughs> yeah. Here we go here. Ed Harris. Amy Warren. George Clooney. Sandra Bullock. Aaron. Aaron. Gravity. Oh. Is correct. And last one here. Oh my God. <laughs> Felon Skarsgård. John Hurt. Charlotte Rampling. Aaron. Aaron? Melancholia? Correct. <laughs> oh my goodness. There you go. Aaron, you ran away with that one there. <laughs> Bron, better nice. luck next time. Thank you. <laughs> we have a pretty strict policy of people that don't get on the board don't get to come back on the show. But you have stuck with us longer than necessary. <laughs> so Yeah, you're coming back. You're coming back. That was games. All right. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Good games. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of impressed, but uh, we'll keep seeing on that Roger Ebert one. All right. Well, let's I, <laughs> I'm blown away by your knowledge of Roger Ebert. Of course. <laughs> I read his reviews. <laughs> I went back to the archives for a lot of them. Um, all right, let's let's. You guys have been out here for a long time. Let me let's get some wrap up stuff here. First up, uh, let's do some out now. Presents out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Feel free to say yay or nay if you feel like it. Uh, first up, War for the Planet of the Apes. Hey. Uh, in in I don't know. <laughs> okay. Hey. I'm in the yays. Uh, Annabelle Creation. I heard yay. Strong yay. (laughs) I it is quite clever because that movie came out like middle of August and it's coming out right before Halloween. They know Mm. what they're doing on this. Those guys. (laughs) They got it out in time. The Emoji Movie. Nah. Pass. (laughs) Yeah. Hard pass. Uh, Let's see on Criterion Collection this week. Personal Shopper with uh, Christian Stewart. Just talking about. Yeah, sure. I've heard good things. Yeah. Yeah, for Christian Stewart. Uh, Al Gore's an, in- an Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. I've heard interesting things. I hear he's really angry in this movie. Hmm. Less beardy, probably. <laughs> uh, sure, why not? <laughs> uh, yeah. Space Dandy, the complete series. This is the anime from uh, uh, Once That's, and uh, from uh, Tanabe, yeah. yeah. Shinjiro Watanabe, the guy who did Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop and, uh, oh. yeah. and well, Kids on the Soul. It's on the slope, yeah, yeah. and Samurai Champloo. In Samurai Champloo, this is a fun one. Um, it's it because I've I've seen like the first season. It very much, mm-hmm. it it very much like. It 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 seems like it's spoofing what people assume anime is. Like that's kind of the tone <laughs> of the series, which is actually it kind does, of it, it is kind of drawn that way too. It's yeah, it is. It's very much over the top and like portrays the characters a certain way where it's. It's kind of like what people would assume anime is. This movie's riffing on of that, which I think <laughs> is kind of funny. Uh, next up, let's see. George A. Romero, colon, Between Night and Dawn. Um, these are This is an Arrow Blu-ray set that I wanted to mention. It, it has the films that he made Between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Uh, there's Always Vanilla, Season of the Witch, and The Crazies. 
Um, so if you're a George A. Romero fan, you want to catch up on maybe some blind spots. Those are that's a new set that's coming out. Okay. And uh, that's it. That's it for uh, okay. what's that now. Let's move on to extremely cool. These are things that are now streaming on Netflix. Uh, first up, Wheelman, starring Frank Grillo. It's a new Netflix original. I assume it's a car chase movie of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or some movie in the 1800s where he's a, he makes wheels out of wood. Oh, that's what I definitely hope it is now. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's I do, an Oregon Trail movie. I, <laughs> I like Frank Grillo. I think uh, Joe Carnahan had a hand in producing the movie, too, okay. if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to checking that one out. Yeah. Uh, 1922. This is the latest Stephen King offering. Um, that's another Netflix original, much like Gerald's Game a couple weeks ago. This one has Thomas Jane. Um, I watched it. It's pretty good. Making it the second Stephen King film that I've liked this year. So there you go. Um, <laughs> meet the Robinsons. Uh, friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, was going to be on this podcast originally. And this is one of his favorite movies of like all time. <laughs> it's now on Netflix. So that's the only reason. I the, cartoon? I mean, the cartoon? The cartoon. superhero team it's family? The, it's the time traveling. Uh, uh, yes. It's, the, it's a Disney animated movie, like a 3D animated movie. And I've seen it. It's good. I don't necessarily go greatest of all time like Scott does, but yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. While We Are Young this is the uh, Noah Baumbach film from a couple years ago with Ben Stiller mm-hmm. and um, new uh, agent seeker and Naomi Watts. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, and, uh, I think Adam, Adam Driver, Adam Driver and, yeah. um, Amanda Seyfried, I think are all in the movie. It's a good one. Right. It's, a, it's a good Baumbach film. And lastly, The Hateful Eight is coming on Netflix this week. Yeah, I see nice. it. There you go. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 70 mm that did you in, right, Terrence? It was... Uh... It's only a few minutes longer than Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, and I saw it in the Roadshow presentation of it. Really? it was, uh... The best yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, there's an intermission. You get a little card. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Understandable. I get it. But which card see. did you get? That's the question this is all leading up to. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. What card? You didn't get I a card. I, got, I think I got. Uh, what's his face? Walton. No, Gallagher. I got. I didn't Kurt, get a card. I got Kurt Russell. Oh, cool. Or did it I get wouldn't Kurt have Russell? made a difference. No, I got no. <laughs> I got Kurt Russell from another thing. I got the. Uh, I got Demi Bashir. That's the card I got. Oh, Demi Bashir. Yeah. You know, Mexican Robert De Niro. <laughs> All right. He plays the piano. Yeah, he does. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's enough for extremely cool. Let's move on to next week. Next week's show, uh, the main review will be for Superbicon. Uh, the new okay. George Clooney movie written by the Coen brothers, as well as Clooney and his writing partner, Grant Hesloff. Um, I know Jigsaw also comes out, and I know Professor Mike Dillon has a very vested interest in talking about Jigsaw. So there might be might a night, do, now, now Nights episode. Might be a Nights okay. episode for Jigsaw. But Suburbicon will be talked about for sure. Um, and yeah, so that's next week's show. Last thing we do here is what should people go and see in theaters right now, and what do you plan to see next? Terrence Johnson, what should people see in theaters right now? Ooh. It's a, it's a rough going right now at the theater. Um, if Mother is still playing in your area, go see that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, actually, what, what has come out recently that you should see? Uh, you've got uh, Happy Death Day, Blade Runner, The Four. Oh, I've heard great things about Happy Death Day, so go <laughs> see that. It's definitely a movie. <laughs> um... <laughs> But I heard, unlike, you know, this movie, it leans into how ridiculous it is. Yeah, mm. I give it that. Okay. Uh, and I'm seeing, I'm interested to see Suburbicon, just to see that, like, since the Coens didn't do it, and right. it got picked up by Clooney and his, his writing partner, Grant Heslov, like, what 
like a mix of those two writing teams uh, comes up with. Mm-hmm. What I what I curious about with that movie is because I know it's I know there's a lot of like racial tension is part of the theme of it, which the trailers does not really hint at. Um, mm-hmm. But but it seems like it seems like that came about because they were asked about that when they made Hail Caesar last year about why they don't have more black character or you know people of color in their films in particular. So it feels like this is almost like they wrote a script as an answer to that question and then just gave it to George Clooney to do. <laughs> and so I'm curious how it really ha- how it is tackling this as a, as yeah. a concept, but we'll see. Uh, Bron, how about you? What, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, well, I'm interested to see the square. You were mentioning that uh-huh. maybe, maybe not right now because it's not like out, out, but go see the square. It looks interesting enough. Uh, it's late in October, so go see uh, Rocky Horror somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's playing out like, like tons of theaters around me. Yeah, go yeah. see Rocky Horror. It's not always a great time. <laughs> Abe? Uh, I'd recommend watching Blade Runner if you guys have a chance. If you guys are looking for something that's uh, a little bit faster, you might watch... Um, I guess you could watch The Mountain Between Us. No, I don't know. <laughs> 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 but the, what I'm watching now. He's kidding because nobody should do that ever. No, no, <laughs> I, I love I love both those actors that are in the movie, but uh, I don't think anyone really gave it great great. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a, a great cl- dog in the movie too, but you know I, I can see a dog <laughs> on a calendar. Like, I, I don't know what trailer we talked about. I, I think we talked about um, uh, Tomb Raider, but uh, did you guys see this trailer for? Uh, like how man and dog came to be. Yes, Alpha. I saw Alpha. that yeah, for this movie. What movie is this? Was, oh my! <laughs> I was like, who who greenlit this? This is weird. Hold on, I want to find the thing on it because yeah, I saw the trailer. It's like I had no idea this existed, but it, it looked like a, it looked like the, the the movie that fucking Roland Emmerich made, Ten Thousand BC again. I was yeah. Like, Did they make this? <laughs> it's directed by Albert Hughes of the Hughes Brothers. Hughes Brothers. Yeah, and Cody Smith McPhee's the star. Yeah, I saw Cody Smith McPhee, and I was like, uh, I'm like, gonna pass. I saw his face, and I kept thinking, I feel like I know this kid, but he's playing like an Inuit, so it's like, surely it can't be some white actor, and yeah, it is. It's a Cody Smith McPhee. I, I thought it was Jamie looks... Campbell Bauer, so I clearly. <laughs> They're very similar. They're very like scrawny English yeah. young actors. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I didn't want to sidetrack us, but yeah, I'll be watching. But you have, and now I'm very excited about Alpha. I'll be watching Suburbicon next. Uh, and it's directed by Albert Hughes, like he, like the, because they separated, like they don't do things together. They're not the Hughes brothers. And last thing they did was Book of Eli. Now they do things kind of separately. <laughs> oh, that's that's a movie that happens. Uh, what am I? What was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, if you can see something this weekend, uh, see Killing of a Sacred Deer uh, from the director of The Lobster. That's not playing many places though. So if you can't see that, which you know. Sadly, you, most people can't. Um, you probably also can't see Wonderstruck, which I also recommend. <laughs> um, but if you can't see that, yeah, Blade Runner. That's out. You can, hey. you can watch that. Uh, the next thing I'm seeing is the... Um, if I don't see Suburbicon first, it'll be Darkest Hour, the Gary Oldman, Winston Churchill film. Okay. As in Gary Oldman and the hologram of Winston Churchill hang out together. But no. <laughs> um, Yeah, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of That Now There and an Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com, where you can find all my movie reviews, as well as on ysablue.com for my blue reviews. You can also find me writing now over at uh, weliveentertainment.com as well. I'll be uh, providing uh, my Walking Dead reviews over there, as well as uh, the occasional movie review. And I'm on Twitter at AaronsPS4. Abe? You can follow me over on Instagram at OakleyDoakley and Twitter.com slash WallaceMoose. Hashtag should have been Chang Long. (laughs) Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of your work online? 
You can find me at LenoirTour.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. Uh, also, my Twitter handle, LenoirTour. And Brian Anderson, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me at WhysoBlue.com. Great. Awesome. Are you on Twitter? Uh, yep, Twitter, ProtoBrig. There you go. P-R-O-T-O-B-R-I-G. You can find all the other episodes about Now Third and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. You can also listen to us over HHWLOD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to argue with us about logic over on our email at outnowpockets at gmail.com. Right on our walls over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Tumblr page where you can send us plenty of gifts of Gerard Butler screaming things over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> Uh, Terrence, Broad, thank you both for joining us tonight. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. This is a lot of fun going into <laughs> yeah. Geostorm and more. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, we see what Matt Damon's up to on that tricycle. That's going to do it. So until next time, so long and goodbye. The sea it swells like a sore head. And the night it is aching Two lovers lie With no sheets on their bed And the day it is breaking On rainy days We go swimming out On rainy days Swimming in the sound On rainy days We go swimming out So, for instance, like when uh, Chang Long, which I thought was a hilarious name, hilariously racist name, was there. <laughs> His name is Chang Long. You're, yes. Yeah. Daniel Wu's That's character. Like yeah. He's like, Chang Long. He's like, why didn't you guys just give him his real name is Daniel Wu? That's a great name. <laughs> he could be Henry Long. Like, that'd be that tough to do. Like. <laughs>